0: Hello and welcome to the Adapted to Screen podcast, a podcast where we take a book and its on-screen counterpart or maybe a theatre counterpart, whatever, whatever's been adapted um, and we we compare them, we talk about them, we break them apart and we have a bit of banter in the process also. Uh, This week we have brought the book Running with the Firm and the... Film ID. Now, the film ID came first. I feel that the book was uh, in response to the film because I don't think the film depicted the the story quite how the author wanted to. But that 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 you'll hear more about that in the show uh, this week. I'm joined with joined with joined by Phil McCulloch, as always, my uh, co-host. We're also joined by guest Eddie Brimson. Uh, it says here on the Googles that comedian Eddie Brimson turned his attention to television appearing as an actor in the likes of Thin Blue Line, Casualty Between the Lines, Silent Witness, Absolutely Fabulous, and EastEnders. He was a vicious lout who turned over Frank Butcher's car lot. Also the author of his most recent work, which is called Naughty Boy. And we'll also be talking more about that in the show. So, yes, um, please follow us on the socials, on the Twitter, on the Facebook. Please follow us uh, on Spotify. You can find us on Spotify. That's where you'll find the, the podcast. This will also be broadcasted on YouTube. Please subscribe. Please give us a like please give us a comment on YouTube because it helps the algorithms and all that and helps us get, get the, the podcast out there. So yeah, if you like it, please do that. But without no more further dilly-dallying, this is our chat about ID slash running with the firm. Hi, Phil. Hello.
1: Hello, Richie. How are you? How are
0: you? Are you good?
1: I'm very well, thank you.
0: Brilliant, and we have a special guest with us today, Eddie Brimson, author and well, stand up t- comedian. Stand up comedian, yeah. So uh, thank you for joining us, Eddie. That's you right. you well? For me.
2: yeah. I'm very good, thank you, gents. I'm very good indeed. Thanks for having me along.
0: Good. Now nice. it's our pleasure. Um, Phil, do you want to take it from here? <clears throat> yes,
1: well, um, as um, uh, as Richard said, uh, Eddie is uh, an author and a stand-up comedian. So we do have authors' notes, which is very exciting. Um, I don't know, Eddie. I don't know how much you wrote these notes yourself uh, oh, or how much. You put. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> Eddie Brimson is an award-winning comedian and best-selling author, actor, and documentary maker. Eddie became a professional comedian in two thousand, quickly establishing himself himself as one of the most sought-after headliners acts on the UK circuit. Travelled all over the world and done solo shows in New Zealand, Australia, the Alps, that's very interesting, and of course the Edinburgh Festival. Previously, Eddie has penned six best-selling sports books based around football fan culture, four co-written alongside two solo titles. Uh, He's also previously written one novel, the critically acclaimed, easy for me to say, Hooligan. And this is my favourite bit about uh, your your, about, Eddie. His books have been translated into both Russian and Italian, with worldwide sales uh, today exceeding uh, 700,000. That would put any author to shame, I think, there,
2: Eddie uh yeah quite happy with them um it sounds a lot but it doesn't necessarily equate into a lot of money because once you go to russia and uh, they give you a grand to um publish your books you never hear anything about it again ever so uh Uh, that's a shame yeah yeah yeah. but it's one of them things that happens
1: doesn't it you know so that's
2: good that's
1: good i bet you got a bit of a jolly over in russia
2: though I've not been. I've not been. My brother spends oh, a lot okay. of time out there because uh, we kind of went our separate ways, which is why I went to get in stand up, and then I started to write books on my own. But he spends a lot of time out there. He's a bit. He's a bit of a face out there. But uh, yeah, we've gone our separate ways as far as that's concerned. Uh, oh, okay, hard. cool.
1: I think because I think you uh, you wrote four book. Uh, the, the the four co written was with your brother. Um, was it yeah. the? Um, I think it was a series of books. What was the? Um, what was the well, series called?
2: The first book we wrote, um, we wrote in the build-up to Euro 96, which was um, Mm. because football was changing dramatically, Sky was coming in, and the way that Sky were packaging football was very different to the reality of people who were going actually week in, week out, and the way you were treated, and the darker side of football, because they understand all that. And so the first book we wrote was one called Everywhere We Go, which sort of blew the lid on... Organised football violence. Also, why people? You know, we try to explain the type of people who, who get involved because it's not the stereotypical image that people that was portrayed in the press. Uh, massive uh, uh, sort of go at the press as well for the way they reported stuff. Um, the the point behind it was to highlight why people get. If you want to solve this problem, you have to understand the type of people that get involved. Uh, they come from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of classes, um, economically and social, um, and understand why they do it. And then we offered a load of solutions that we felt at the time would have stopped me or my brother getting involved in it. And a lot of that stuff was actually implemented at the time, things like um, bans, uh, travel bans, having to put, you know, report to police stations and stuff like that on Saturdays. So a lot of it that we wrote is oh, actually taken on board. Yeah. But um, the press don't like to feature that. They used to just feature <laughs> on the other side. So, uh, so yeah.
1: Well, it's what, sells, it's what sells papers
2: though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. And then, so we wrote another three uh, on specifically one about London, one about Derbys, and then one following uh England. And, and then, yeah, we just sort of went our separate ways. And I, I, I made a couple of films Following England overseas and wrote a couple of books from in England at 20 weeks as well. So, uh, which were great, which were dying, which were brilliant. Following England away is fantastic.
1: So, uh, yeah. I'll have to get you on to talk about that another time then. Um, So, uh, when was your uh, oh, quick question that I, that I tried not to ask you while we were uh, talking about doing the podcast? <clears throat> have you ever met James Bannon?
2: Yes, I met him in Edinburgh. I met him in Edinburgh because he went back oh, to and did a show up there about it. Really nice fella. So, yeah, I met him um, and got a copy of the book. Uh, and, it, yeah, really interesting fella. So, um,
3: okay, yeah,
2: cool, brave, brave to do what he did. But, uh, yeah, very interesting. Well, I'd
1: even, what well, even braver to talk about it afterwards, I think, as well. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, and we'll talk about this later on. But, uh, like, things like how I think the book wasn't, the book and the film, really, it wasn't really about like football violence. Well, it was about football violence, but there wasn't really very much violence there. It was kind of how the police behaved and were portrayed. I think more than anything else.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he kind of he kind of had a go at it on both sides, really. Obviously, uh, I'm sure he lost a few uh, lost a few friends, and there's a certain few places he certainly won't walk into nowadays. <laughs> after exposing that. But he also did balance it by exposing the way the police. Police football back then, and uh, and their role in it. And I've always had an issue with that. There's a big, in in all our books, I've always sort of, the police make a lot of money out of football, a lot of money. Um, football clubs have to pay a fortune to police forces, to police games, and even particularly now when there's not a, really that much, uh, there's, there's nowhere near the amount of trouble that there was back then. Um, our argument was always, I could walk into any football grounds, as I'm sure most football fans could, And I could immediately point out, if there's going to be trouble, it's going to be from that lot there. There's not many crimes that you would say, I know where it's going to happen, what time of day it's happening, what day and who's it's going to be. And yet the police never really have got on top of it, but they get an awful lot of publicity and make an awful lot of money out of football. And uh, that's a question that we just always used to throw at them all the time. So it's an, it's an interesting subject that you talk for ages about. It's,
0: that. it's a it's a it's a funny thing. Cause I don't think it's just the police either. It's like uh, when I worked in security, like uh, when I was working the doors, uh, you'd have guards on the doors, and you'd have situations occur that didn't need to occur because just because the, the person that you were working with on the door was shit at his job, and uh-huh. he, he thought he thought he was more powerful than and, and you know, he'd trying to. He, it would just make situations worse where somebody who knew what they're doing could walk in and talk the situation down and be more professional. And I think that was, but listening to the story about the police, that seemed like the same thing. They were just, they, they, they thought they had this authority and they just wanted to push it and use it a lot of the time. And rather than making the situation better, which they could have done, they would just make it worse by going in and making th- making things worse. Well, yeah, hundred percent. The prime example of that, or the, I mean, you
2: used to get that yeah, back in the day. You get off a special, return, particularly the West Midlands police. Any any football fan back in the day would tell you the West Midlands police were by far and away the worst. You would get off a train and they would be straight on your bang right in your face. There'd be you know, people pulled out before you'd even started, and that just would rile people up. But a, the best example I can give is during the Euros in two thousand which was split between Holland and Belgium. There were no problems in Belgium, uh, in Holland whatsoever, because the police, the way they policed it, they were there in a massive presence, but they just let everybody have a drink, everybody is Holland, people were smoking, doing what they do. Second we got over into Belgium, they were right in your face. And that was the one where from Shardwa, they deported like 280 people, just rounded them up, leaving people's wives in hotels and didn't know where they were. And, at the policing, in, at the way things are policed, there's a massive sort of, um, uh, it, 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 it impacts on the people that they're policing, you know. So if people are in your face giving you the biggie, after a while you start pushing back, really.
1: Yeah, so, so um, uh, Eddie, when was the first time you, I mean, um, first question is, have you read Running With The Firm? Yes, yeah, yeah excellent stuff and um, when because uh, i think this is a the, this, this is this is this is well this is our first episode on a non fiction book to start with uh-huh. but from from what i believe the book came out like what 20 years after the film was yeah, made wow, uh, yeah 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 so so this is the first time that it was the film and then the book um yeah yeah um, when when was the first time you saw ID? If you can remember,
2: uh, probably when it first came out, because there was a whole raft of films like that back then. Um, uh, so it was, and, and of all of those films, ID is without doubt, um, the closest to the reality of what it was like back then. I mean, it's still there's still some bits in it. I you, when you watch it, I watched it again the other day, and there's some bits in it you just say, "Oh Jesus Christ!" You know, it's clearly just some director going, "Well, it's like this," It's like, "No, no, it ain't like that at all." You know the blokes puffing the the fire out in the pub, and or you know the oh, fire. Okay, that oh, was oh, yeah. bonkers. Oh, you
3: know,
2: yeah. and, and the <laughs> type of people it was just ridiculous. But <sighs> you know, that's creative. directors uh, having to have their input. In I remember it's really funny. I used to do a lot of TV extra work, and it's really funny actually. Our first book, I was doing, I was doing a casualty. And it was whilst doing this casualty that my brother and I had this idea to do our first ever book. Because we were bored sitting around talking about the reality of going to football, what is, uh, Sky were doing it. Um, but we, it was a casualty and we were doing a riot scene. Yeah, And there was a few of us at this bookshop and then this big mob come around. and want to shut the bookshop down. So it's massive riot scene, about 200 people. And I'm leading the charge with my. There's eight of us at the front because we look like we do. And I've got this foam brick. And I've got well, action. They come around the corner. I throw this brick. And the guy's screaming, guys,
3: cut, cut,
2: cut. And, I, and then I'm cut. And he goes, right, we've got to do that again. And he goes, and he to me and he goes, he goes, you listen, you wouldn't throw a brick like that. And I just looked at him and went, <laughs> but out of me and you, you trying the most bricks. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole, the whole of the place was cracked up laughing but again yeah, it's like no i don't want you to do it like this i want you to do it i said okay we do it how you want
1: to do it moving back to the uh, uh moving back to obviously the films. So that was like i mean back 1989 ish as when you first saw it um when were you when were you up to what you were up to with um or or how different was it for you eddie um like, were you with a big group of people or was it just you no, and a couple of other no, people
2: I mean when a, a maximum we had about 50 of us because you know obviously I support support a small town team so um it was different but the the scenes the they've got of coming off of being on the train and being put pulling up at a in a different town and that, that they got that quite well but that that, that was all that was all it's the best it's ever done that's where all the other films in this genre have really failed when they've tried to do the fight scenes um and the tooled up stuff that that just wasn't like that back then at all you know and people carrying um big bits of metal and like uh, what do you call them um you know the things you apply metal open with uh, the, the, so, so all that sort of stuff we you know that was that was all different but the way it was kind of pleased and the police not really not giving it a toss and Basically telling you to f off back home and don't come here. And if you want to come here, then don't be surprised if you get you, you know, if you get beaten up. You know, so that sort of side of it was quite, quite um, spot on, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Okay, interesting. I think, interesting. It, I think, uh, from what I can tell, it varied from police force to police force as well. It wouldn't. Yeah. Some, some, some were a lot worse than others. Yeah, yeah. Newcastle, if you go to Newcastle, there was always this thing. If you're going to play Newcastle,
2: just, it'd be police in Sunderland. So they were always all quite all right. Yeah? And if you went to Sunderland, it was the police in Newcastle. So they'd be all right. The coppers in the ground at Liverpool were fine, outside of the ground, they were terrible. Was, um, but inside the ground, they were fine. But they were, by far and away, the worst lot were the West Midlands always. And any any footballer fan, I'll tell you the same thing. Terrible. Absolute. disastrous. <laughs>
1: to say i always i always presumed <clears throat> that like football violence or you know groups of people who were determined to have fights with other with other teams uh, was always organized and you know we'll, we'll meet you here we'll meet you there we'll do it away from the police and i think in id there was only maybe uh, or in the book should i say there was only a couple of times where they'd physically arranged to meet another team and it was more the, the well, I have these
2: kind of IDs, kind of pre you know, mm-hmm. It's, it's pre-mobile phones, and it's pre, um, it's pre-the dance culture thing. It was later on. It was once, it's once it moved out of grounds because CCTV, um, the seating after Hillsborough and all that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it all changed because a lot of it used to, you know, back in the day, late seventies, eighties, it was virtually all in the ground. And it was after all that happened that it moved away. And then the mobile phones come in, job culture took over for a lot of people. And then that's when it started to become organised. So that's all. ID was just kind of before all that, really, which is why it's yeah, quite
1: it, Yeah, it seemed to be either, for instance, they was walking to the ground and happened upon a group of people or <laughs> at the train station where I suppose the the home fans would kind of know when those football day specials were coming in. Yes,
2: yeah, and, and the the police would walk you and you know, so, there was all, so there was all that. But you know, back in the day, most of it was in the ground. You know, back in late 70s, okay. it would happen. You'd go into their end or they'd come into your end. So it was all about it taking places over. So, oh, yeah. You know,
0: I always wondered, because it's basically an adult version of uh, when you're at school and you meet up with the the, the uh, enemy school for a fight, yeah. and you meet up in the in the most random place. I mean, it does happen with the football violence. As well. They'd meet up in the most random fucking place. And when you get there, you don't... You, well, in school, it wouldn't always end up in a fight. It would just end up shouting and bawling, whatever. But I always wondered... So how did we get here? Somebody had to have a chat with the other, other side and sit down and say, well, where are we going to, there must've been a conversation. We'll meet here. You know, um, so but, somebody knows somebody from the other side and they've had the conversation. I'm going to come over and beat you up. Yeah. I'm going to beat you up. Where are we going to meet? We'll meet here. Well, it was a bit different.
2: It was a bit different back in the seventy late seventies and eighties because you travel, you wouldn't wear any colors. And the, the, the thing to do back then was to go in, if you was at an away game, you'd go in in small numbers into the home end and then there'll come a point when you just let everybody know you were there and then it <laughs> <would> kick off. <laughs> yeah. So that's how, you know, that's that's what would we, be back then and nine times out of ten it didn't quite work out. <laughs> yeah, it was well, always, uh,
0: you... always weird to me because I always th- thought that Obviously, there must have been two people that knew each other, and had phone. Oh, Dave, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna have a smash up the weekend, bust each other up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll meet here. <laughs> oh, well, that was that,
2: that used to happen later on, but that was post. That was post on me, and that that did happen. People would ring each other up, and they go, "We're coming up. We'll meet you here. Where's your boozer, Da da da. Will be coming, you know, and that's and that's that's the level it did get to for a lot of the big, you know, bigger fans. Madly, absolutely. I mean, there's no justification to it, isn't it? You can't you can't justify it. It's incredibly futile and idiotic, but ultimately it was very exciting. That's why people used to do
1: it. Uh, before we move on to talk about the differences in the book and the film, uh, when Richie mentioned then about the school fights, um, uh, Eddie, your friend of mine, uh, Hal Cruttenden, uh yeah. always used to tell me this story of. Uh, the school that he used to go to. You say he um he used to go to school, uh Richard, just for your information, uh with uh, George Osborne. So that's the kind of school that he used to go to. And um uh, their local rival school, who always used to beat them up, had Hugh Grant in the same year. So imagine mm-hmm. imagine the school fights and you're getting beaten up by Hugh Grant. <laughs> he must have been like the worst. No one's school getting
0: ever. beaten by Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he, he
3: Hugh Grant didn't me. even hear
0: about those fights. He never turned up. <laughs> Not the but nevertheless, the <laughs> <laughs> I need it for later. Yeah. Um, so I mean, one of the I mean, uh,
1: reading the book, um, um, Eddie, you know the uh, uh, the person who gave me the book, uh, he brought, uh, Ad, uh, Adam Green, uh, formerly of hilarious comedy, uh, he brought me the book for Christmas a couple of years ago, and I'd read it. And I think um, they got lots lots of things in the book were really accurate to the film and i think it's it's even more interesting because the film come out first uh like oh. especially like um as the um i think in the book it was chris i'm not sure what the sergeant's name was in the film but the way he was described it was like to a T. They'd gone out and got like the actors and like you could you could see them in the book as those people in the film if you know what i mean they they really got that i think spot on um I also think the guy he's kind of. Um, I I always saw um, Chris. We'll call him Chris because that's what his name is in the book, um, as a proper little jobs worth. And he like, says, who who looked at him and thought, I know he'll be great as a football hooligan." Well, <laughs> it's
2: just, I, I yeah, but that's the that's the thing. I know in the film everyone looks like stereotypical, but the reality is um, that then they, they weren't they come from all walks of life and i've seen plenty of blokes who look like him and they're usually the ones who were the proper loons. you know they <laughs> look like they're not he's not gonna but they they're the ones who go right if that bloke's here he knows what he's doing and he ain't he ain't he ain't gonna bottle it you know so they're the ones that used to be the scary ones the ones of, yeah so uh, it, it did
0: it's quite, it did feel to me The
2: feel- it was good casting
0: actually to, uh, maybe it's because I came into the film too late I, I only saw it last night for the first time but to me the book felt real to me i I, I, I could it felt real the film especially the main, the main character felt overacted I, oh, don't, uh, I I didn't feel it was it didn't feel real i uh, I didn't uh, if, if he'd have been like that in reality he would have got so straight away. Nobody'd have ever taken to him. I, I just, just no, that didn't. It didn't work for me. But, yeah, that, but that's I mean, me personally. No, I totally, I totally agree with you, Richie. The pace of the film is because obviously they're
2: having to get into it so quickly. It's so stereotypical. It's so like, and you know, obviously there's that. For what he was doing, what he was doing, it really takes a long time to for people to buy into to you know gain trust with something like that you know so obviously because of the pace of the film how long the film is they just really had to chug it along and you look at it now and it's an incredibly I mean it's the best of the genre I think but Mm -hmm. you look at it and it's it, it, it really is dated. It's a very, very dated, and you know I'm not, you can't blame the actors for the acting, but it's a, a very badly directed. So, did film. you not like Green Street? No, I'm, I'm not a fan of Green Street. That was written by my brother. Uh, he's not. A, he's not a fan, really, of how it ended up. But Again, the casting was wrong. The fight scenes are wrong. Um, people love Green Street. It's gone. It's massive, but I, I think it's an awful film. I think it's
1: not Fair bad. enough. I think I think if you look at uh, like if you look at the films, like I mean, I, I think you could probably name three off the top of my head: with like Scum, The Firm, and um, and ID. They were kind of BBC-style British-made films, probably on a small budget. But what I would say is the actors in them—they were all good actors. There were lots, and there were
2: a lot, a lot of good actors in in all of those films. Well, uh, no, and I, no, I, no, <clears throat> those films launched so many good scums mm. scums a great film uh uh it, a really really good film scum and, i think, uh, I, think well, I think
1: i think i think i think maybe the difference say, between scum and uh id is that you always felt danger in scum it was mm. like every second what is going to happen you know like you like you just the, the tension of what the fuck's going to happen next you mm. know what i mean who's going to get uh, who's going to do this where in id it was like okay you know there was yeah, no, yeah. I don't think there was any like tension. Or, but when you read the book, there was, there was a lot, you know what I mean? But I think most of it came from inside their own group. If you like, like his issues with, um, his issues with Chris, his issues with his girlfriend and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And I think, I think that's where, I think the book, re- like, as I said earlier on, I think the book really highlights the issues of, of, of the police. And especially when in the book, when they were talking about meeting the Manchester group, I think it was uh, Rory and and all the stuff they had, they had the cars with all like you know with all the cameras and the microphones in, and they had they had their own fake IDs and their own backstories, and all he had was a little business card with painter and decorator on, and it mm. was just like you know, it, you know the police weren't clearly weren't taking it seriously, but putting their officers in massive danger. Mm.
0: I think if they were taking it serious they wouldn't have put him in that position in the first place he was 22 and it wasn't until I heard that I thought well fuck me he's definitely not old enough to be doing that job he's definitely not had the experience and there's no there's no you know what I mean he he was he was the wrong age to. and I'm not saying he's a kid but he wasn't fucking far off at 22 and I just well, you, you know, are dealing you are dealing with some very
2: uh, the, the, some of the bigger clubs in particular people have Um, who were very violent people. Like McIntyre did the documentary about the Chelsea headhunters, um, exposing them and their links to the far right. I, I would imagine of all the stuff he's probably done, that's the one he wished he hadn't because the grief he's had off that since, and he can be anywhere. If he bumps into any of those people and he's, and it has happened to him, he's openly said, you know, the, this has caused me so much grief because he's really targeted by those people, even to this day, you know, and uh, so you, when you get to certain clubs because they have affiliations with other things, um, mm. Such as Chelsea and that, then uh, you're you're talking a whole different can of worms there, you know. And it's uh, yeah, it's a very dangerous world to go into, I would imagine.
0: Mm. Are there mm. a lot of these groups still going? Um,
2: well, well, on the football violence thing, there's still there's still quite a bit of it around, particularly at lower level. Not really in the Premier League. Um, when you get down to the lower levels, you still it, it, it's nothing like it was back in the day, but it still it still goes on. You know, there's still people
1: I was talking to a, a customer. It's probably about a year ago now. I'd phoned, uh, I'm working within the pub industry and uh, I'd phoned a landlord of a pub up, up in Shrewsbury. And he goes, oh, I can't talk to you at the minute. I've got the police with me. I go, okay, whatever, no problem. And then he phoned me back about half an hour later and I was like, oh, like everything okay? He goes, yeah, yeah. He said uh, I had to give evidence to the police because um, there was some like, shrewsbury football fans in here openly organizing a fight with like, it was like wolves or something mm-hmm. and i was like does that thing still happen
2: he's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, right. yeah. especially at that, that, that level down in them lower leagues it's still quite a bit of it and in, and in non-league as well it can be quite because they haven't got the same placing level so you know yeah,
0: I think it's because the football's really shit at that level, so they need to come up with something else to make it <laughs> interesting. <laughs> mate,
2: I was Watford, this football shit at that <laughs> <laughs> level,
0: mate.
1: I mean, to be fair, when, uh, when and John came in, I think he turned your fortunes around there, didn't he?
2: Well, that, that's, that's my era. I started going, my first game I ever went to was in 73, and then we was in the old second division, went down to the fourth, and then I followed Watford all the way from the tail years right through from '77 right up into Europe '84, and um, yeah, finished second in the in what was the first division, which is now the Premiership. Finished second. Premier and, yeah, <clears throat> I, followed, I was that's lucky cool. enough to go right through all the divisions into Europe Cup So That was my kind that's, of uh, era. That's pretty cool.
1: That's pretty cool. Yes. Uh, so, um, so uh, uh, and let's back into the film uh, and the book, um. I think uh, one of the biggest uh, differences I noticed uh, in the film is that the four police officers were always together, whereas in the book it was him and Chris and then Jerry and Charlie did their own thing with what they called the targets. They were, you know, a different area, whereas in the film those four were always together. And I Mm. think when you read the book, if those four were always together, like, for real that would have got sussed with yeah yeah, yeah, within, yeah within seconds you know yeah within seconds and there was a lot of um and i think the question that chris kept on bringing up um to uh to jim or to james was you know you are a football hooligan and he was going no i'm just i'm doing the job of being an undercover football hooligan and but like did you get the sense of reading the book that he was like Enjoying it far too much, or that he was just
2: oh, doing yeah, his he, definitely, he definitely got pulled into it, um, there's no doubt about it. And I think there's a certain element where he would have had to, you know, if you're going to do something like that, there is a point where you're going to have to prove yourself or you're not going to get accepted. So he would have had to. And once that door's open, it, it would have been very, very difficult for him to um pull back from it, yeah. Uh, and and I think. You know, there is a buzz about that kind of thing. And if you're in the moment and you've got no choice or it's like, well, it's going to make your life easier to continue to play this game, I'm sure there are probably moments that you've got quite a buzz off it, I would imagine. I mean, uh, there was, there was, I'm gone, sorry, Trey.
0: I think, again, a lot of it was to do with his age as well, because he was so young, he was so easily influenced by that, that, scene in that thing, you know what I mean. Whereas the people around him, the other the other undercover agents or whatever they are, they weren't so. I mean, they enjoyed it. They they, they enjoyed the games, and they 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 were, but they they weren't as easily influenced and drawn in like he was. To the point where he, you could you could tell from listening, reading the book that he he was on a precipice. He was he was on on a line between do I join this and leave my, my police work he, he, he wanted to be that the other guys that they they still kept that element of focus as to why they were there and mm-hmm. I think it might have some, had something to do with that they, they were probably a bit older than he was
2: yeah experienced coppers they probably felt a, a, a you know the stuff they'd probably been through they'd had a buzz on different areas and different sort of areas of police work that they'd worked in but at that age being a young man, suddenly surrounded by other young men, going away, giving it the biggie, you know, getting pierced, being part of something. It's very, very easy to get pulled in. That's uh, that's one of the things we tried to highlight at the beginning because it's, 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 it, it is it's exciting or, you know, or it was exciting anyway back when I was younger. So, um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it would have been – it must have been walking a very, very tight line. But in a lot of ways he'd have had to because – if it was kicking off and he was in the middle of it, people notice if you don't, if you don't get involved, that you, you get found out. You know?
1: And I think that was it. I think, I think that was explained away uh, very well um, within, I suppose it was earlier on in the film, a little bit later in the book, with uh, the whole I can't read, that, you know, when the, you know uh, he came up with the idea of saying that I can't read, well, why would well, you manage? Well, he does the reading and I do all the punching for him so that he can go to the football together. And Chris mm-hmm. could take a step back and go and hide because he's not the fighter. And obviously yeah. then James can go on and like yeah. do the work of, of two people while, you know, Chris takes a step back in that, mm-hmm. uh, in that scenario. Um, it, but uh, I think that was another thing that made me laugh as well. When um, they were, they were giving their evidence to whether it be the, the, the chief commander or whoever. And uh, he said, Oh, um, James has told him he can't read all right. He goes, Well, how'd you get into the police force? It's like, fuck's sake, yeah, state yeah, of yeah. some old girl, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> for fuck's sake, mate. <laughs> sort yourself yeah. out. But it also, yeah. but it also made me think, um, and th- 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 it was later on in the book where um he got arrested um and like bashed up a bit in the um in the back of the van and taken to the police station. And when he was being uh, when he was being Put in front of the sergeant, said, Oh, well, we stopped him and he tried to hit me, and then he swore and he lashed out. And it's like the police are just making up what they wanted to make up as they went along. And I think, like, add to, say, for instance, the attitude to race as an example as well, didn't really mm. put the police in a good light at that point. But you can see, well, if we don't like non whites and we don't like football hooligans, we're just going to treat them exactly the same and we're mm. going to say what we want, and we're going to trump up any charges that we feel like. And, and, the, and like, when you look now, some of those people who were working their way up are in charge now. You know what I mean, and it's just like so. Oh. Nothing's going to change within the, nothing's going to change within the police force if no, the same no. people are still in charge.
2: Don't don't get me started on the police, mate. <laughs> you know, you know, all day uh, away from football with other things that are well documented about my past, about my political involvement, stuff that the police do. Oh yes, can you can't, know what? Can't, I can't, all sorts of. Um, I didn't sports. even get.
1: I, Oh, sorry, right. Because I didn't even get right. I left it at the seven hundred thousand copies sold. I didn't even get to the best bit, which I had to talk to you about. Um, where is it on here? Um, here we go. Uh, Eddie is a keen animal lover and played a lead part in the national anti-hunting campaign. For whom he held the joint position of press officer for a brief spell. Mm. This led to him being under surveillance by MI five and his subsequent arrest at gunpoint on suspicion of terrorism. Right, hey. Eddie, Talk, talk us through your surveillance well, by MI5, yeah.
2: fuck's sake. Well, you know, like one, James Bond sitting uh, outside your house. Uh, yeah. Like an episode of Spooks. No, no seriously, <laughs> it was, um, it, it was a back in, this was all back in uh, 93. There was a lot of stuff going on. I was very politically active. My particular thing was the animal rights movement, particularly fox hunting. And, um, and yeah, we come under surveillance by MI5. And then I got arrested at gunpoint. They come through the front door at six in the morning, arrested me and my girlfriend uh, on suspicion of planting two explosive packages in Windsor. And the second they came Cheating. through the door, they didn't, I didn't do it, right? And then we. I was in the car going to Windsor with a copper each side of me, and they were telling me every detail about my life, my friends, my family, phone calls I'd had with people. I'm sitting there listening to this thinking, and obviously not saying anything. And then all of a sudden it realised, all oh, them people, I thought I recognised that. I kept saying, I'm sure I know that bloke. I'm sure I know that fella. These are the people who had me under surveillance for six for six months. And it carried on afterwards. And I could I, I could go on for ages. But yeah, of course, they okay. they continually arrested me because that those charges they did. it's a long story. They'd obviously been told to come through the door before they had the right evidence. Or, or has this
0: been monitored? Should I have my VPN on?
2: <laughs> but um, they all kept arresting me, and, in, in, and, on, um, and I got taken to, um, I ended up in Bow Street Magistrates on a very serious charge. And uh, the the evidence that the police gave and the description of me, I couldn't have described me as well as Free Coppers describes me. <laughs> and then they made up this whole story and then amazingly produced some evidence which proved that i wasn't even there and that's and then the next day i'm saying my solicitor is saying because we had to go back the second day and i had accused that i was having to defend myself because i'd used up all my um or my uh, legal, aid, legal aid, and I'm in, I'm in the both states magistrate. And I got up and the first, my mate had a barrister. And the first thing I said, I just want to remind the police officer that he's under oath. And the judge went fucking mental. <laughs> the <mate's laughs> barrister just put his head in his hands. Said, how dare you come into my court? And I tell a police officer how to give evidence. How dare you? And I, I thought I was going, to, this was a very serious charge. Um, I thought I'm well, I'm going away for a long time here, I've got no chance. So I just looked at the Judge and I went, I'm telling that because he's lying. And again, my, my <laughs> mate's barrister went, oh <laughs> and um, and then the next day, right? They brought in this evidence, proved it was wrong. Whilst we was downstairs with my mate's barrister and the police's uh uh the um prosecution, it came out and my mate's barrister goes. Well, this is all lies. And I, we went, well, we told you it was three of us. And we told you it was lies. And the conference <laughs> turned to me and he went, we'll get you someday, Ed, on something. And they all left. And my main barrister know. said, we're going to sue the ass out of these. We come in the next day. And the, like evidence has come to light. There's no um, evidence for a prosecution. And then the judge looked straight at me and went, I don't believe for one minute police officers sit in a room to concoct evidence to gain a conviction. Case dismissed. And then I said to my best we're gonna we got video evidence here. We, we and we went to get the video evidence all been destroyed. Oh all shock all right. Yeah. All so all it right. so ended up with just nothing. And it was a very see, I could you know, it was a big chance. But I was but because it was animal rights, you're dealing with the establishment, you're dealing with particularly fox hunting, landowners, gentry, royal family, people right at the very top of the pyramid. Mm. They come down kind of, the, heavily.
1: Was that at the same time as
0: cause I, I, I'm um, i Phil, years. I need to stop you right oh. there just in case we have been watched. I just want people, I, I'm absolutely <laughs> fine with fox hunting. Carry on, I'm done. <laughs> do what you gotta do. It was a
1: long time ago, uh, that it came out, uh, the, the police that had been like undercover with, with it, whether it's animal rights or um, no, eco not protesters, not in
2: in and, and, and they got
1: like. Yeah, and they started having sexual relationships and yeah, they've got that was, women that
2: was pregnant same, stuff. That was at the same time because we had um, we had a big AGM in Nottingham and uh, everyone started infighting. And certainly when you look back on it, you, afterwards, you realised we'd been infiltrated quite massively by the same sort of thing with this, right? And they infiltrate because you all of a sudden you realise there's people within us who are giving all the information because they know we're here, we're there. And it was at that time where that officer... With the Nottingham branch, who were massive within the anti-hunt movement. That's when that officer was, had a kid with a woman. Uh, and come out. Exactly the same time. That's when that was all going on. Yeah. It was an interesting time. This oh,
1: a, a complete different turn there. It was about, it was about Sorry, a bro. fiction or, or a, a non-fiction book has just turned out to all coppers are bastards, but we all knew that already, didn't we? So, you know, there's nothing <laughs> new there. But very interesting, though, Eddie. Very interesting indeed. I think I think one of the other differences um, from the book and the film is that he never met anyone who was like at the top kind of thing. That that was the whole that was his whole thing: getting with the group, find out who were the people who were running the top end. And in the film, he meets the I um, think Marcus in the pub, and he goes, oh, he wants yeah. to go and see you, and he just and he's like, you know, football violence, it's for the idiots. I'm I'm all about drugs and this that the other and that never went and that never went anywhere in the film it was like you know a 30 second clip of him meeting this supposed top chap but in the book he never met anyone until i think until they sustained jerry and charlie were old Bill because Mm. they were driving because they were driving rain in an old police van with police written on the side (laughs) <laughs> you think, for fuck's sake what the fuck are
2: you doing yeah, yeah well there you go <laughs> the cleverest tools in the box there,
1: yeah. no no but that, but that, i think i but i think that was a thing though wasn't it because when <clears throat> when he was talking about meeting the manchester police they had that they literally they were mi5 they had everything they needed and then you got these four embedded in millwall and they're driving around in a police van with police yeah. written on the side and you're like, for fuck's sake! How the fucking out? Did you even, even survive? How did you yeah. survive? Oh, obviously, one of the other differences, of course, is in the film. It gets cut; like they get cut at the end of the season, where there's they they have two seasons mm. in in the book. You're like they're there for two years. Um, well, I think I mean, really, I think looking at it, they were really the only standout differences. Because I mean, it was. In some parts, it was word for word, I think, as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty true. A lot of it was pretty true. They did, they did sort of, he must have had some input into making sure that they made it as um, and made it as close to the book as possible to give it some realisation. It's just, obviously, there's with a the film, it's just, it's just got to ramp up. the Well, the directors have got to have their have their say and what they think it is and they try and glamorise it or try and make it stereotypical, yeah. you know, so,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I know you said that, but I think I think the book did come out afterwards as well, I think, so that's one of the – so it's – I don't know whether, like, look, obviously he's he's wrote down what he thought, you know, like he's wrote mm. down his experience, and then obviously in the book later on it, it kind of marries up very much mm. word for word what happened, which mm. is unusual really, for especially for – you know, an actual, like if you take any, like a a dramatization as an example, you know, there's always like, you know, there's always license for the director or the
2: producer to go, well, we'll just do this. We'll just do it. What I mean mean by that is the bits that were cut, the bits that, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, the actual, the makeup of the firm. And we got like one of these, we got like one of that. We got like someone. Yeah, of course. And that's where it, that's where it lets down. And that's the only real major differences from the book. It takes, you know, it, it, it does obviously the books far more in depth from obviously real and true totally true to life is his encounter with it but it's that's what i meant by the director's license that when they just have their own perception of what it is rather than actually i'm sure if he'd have sat there all the way through and went well you don't need the fire eater do you know what i mean? <laughs> <laughs>
1: when I saw that, I was like, "What on earth is this Mulan room? I mean, maybe it's what true. Maybe,
0: like... maybe there was a fire eating in the pub. Everybody <laughs> knows. A, everybody knows <laughs> a fucking clown. It's usually me, pub. <laughs> that's very much. true. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> yes, yes. Um,
1: uh, 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 where did Gumbo come from? Like, oh, just no. as a as an idea, as a character, it just it, it didn't seem to it didn't seem to well, work. like it. It fit in very well, but like mm. it didn't make like, like when you read the book, you're like, where, where have they got gone? Where's from?
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, there were there's some, there's some far worse characters down at Millwall at that stage back then. <laughs> they used to go dressed up as surgeons in the surgeons masks and the surgeons all in one gear, and then the people were going to butchers coats and all that sort of stuff. It was very oh, very cool. strange, thing. very strange club Millwall back then.
0: It's, it's the funny thing is, I, I actually think Gumbo might have been a real character that didn't make it in the book afterwards because he felt to me like um, one of the most real characters in, in the film.
2: Possibly. There's always someone who's the target of everybody's, um, who wants to belong, who's the target of everybody's sort of uh, ribbing, but they'll always yeah. look after him because it's part of it. But they, they, there's always one. And you do get some weird people to follow football. There's no doubt about that.
1: I think uh, I think I think Lee Ross done a really good job actually um, as Gumba because he he, uh, he reprised the role as well, didn't he in ID Two? Uh, if you've ever saw ID Two no, before, no, uh, I think one. I watched, yeah, well, no, yeah, but like thirty years later, um, I watched about twenty five
2: minutes and I was like, oh, I can't. Have you ever seen
1: Green Street Two? Yeah, yeah. Well, we were just talked about it before you joined. Uh, Green, I saw Green Street Tree.
2: Two has to be Green Street Two has to be the mm-hmm. worst film that I've ever seen in my life it is just <laughs> incredibly bad incredibly
1: bad I have bad. seen I have seen Green Club. Street I, I've seen Green Street through uh, Green Street 2 once um and yeah I wouldn't watch it again I know they did a, a third one with Scott Atkins uh, and as much as I love Scott Atkins uh, like I, I think he's brilliant I'm not watching that film because I don't want to watch him in
2: a really bad film I, it's funny, I haven't seen Green Street 3. I think, no, they have
0: done, done a third. Yeah, yeah, so um, I think
1: yeah, so yeah. I think I think I think the premise is Scott Atkins is like um like a former top boy, done well for himself, and then he finds out his brother was like killed in a in a hooligan fight or whatever, I'm not quite sure. And then he comes back um oh. to you know sort out whatever, oh. but I'm just like, mm, no. I think, I mean, um, uh, what did you think, uh, what, what we're talking about, um, football uh, violence films, what did you think of um, The Football Factory?
2: Uh, again, parts of it are really good. Um, it's, it's not a bad film, but it's, again, there's just some scenes, you know, you just think, oh, why did you put that in? The scene where they're watching their kids play football, staring at each other across, the, it's just like, yeah, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Well, yeah. I think, It's just I things it's like just, that. Let's, let's let, it just let, a, let a, for me. That's it just lets a film down, but it's a good film because it's because it's not just about that. It's a bit more in depth about the drug taking and the, and how you get pulled in and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's a better film, I think. football factory. Well,
1: is. I suppose that's what you were. I suppose that's what you were saying earlier on about about the differences for for say pre-mobile phones uh and mm. you know crowd vo- you know violence in the stand to mobile phones being able to meet up and mm. you know the uh the 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 generation gap of
2: of football violence i suppose
3: mm.
2: yeah 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 it, it sort of brought it all up to date without a doubt so uh it covered all the aspects of how organized it was mm. but again the, the, the thing again that lets it down is a the fight scenes and all that you don't have to have thousands of people to have a realistic fight scene about football. You can do it very with very few people and make it very, very graphic and and real, you know, because a lot of the time that's what it's actually like. You turn the corner and there's like 15 of you and you just happen to turn the corner and walk into 15 other blokes and say, like, oh God, here we go. This is this ain't gonna be good. <laughs> and you know and, that, and when you walk into it it's very easy with, with Clubs like West Ham and Millwall and Chelsea, you've got thousands of people. But it's when you go somewhere like Orient and there's 10 of them, but there's 10 blokes who really, really want to have a fight, you know, rather than a thousand people we're probably, you know, a handful of them, you know, 50 of them want fight out of a thousand because most of them are hangers on, you know, so it's very different. So you can make it, but yeah, the fight scenes are integral to these movies and they don't really ever sit or nail it, in my opinion. Mm. That's some, act, had some actual
0: scenes, didn't they? Um, in the film, you could tell it was actual footage from the from uh, actual uh, like uh, CCTV from back in the day.
2: In ID, I, th-
0: I think. Well, or, or maybe it was uh, a jump. There, there, there were a couple of good long
2: shots of crowds sort of surging and all that. But yeah, and, and they they did the crowd scenes pretty well in ID, which is. Uh, the, the, when they because they did have big numbers on the to do all the singing and all that sort of stuff, so they were quite good. But the fight scenes were pretty, um, uh, pretty pony. But they're probably the best ones of all of them. It Was
0: the uh, surveillance footage that they used in the uh, in 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 the police station that I think might have been near the start, and uh, you could see some of the no, fights that actually happened. That wasn't didn't no no. There was the, was the doctor... Dr. Truman was in those f-
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. footage. Yeah. <laughs> he was in that footage. I don't know. They obviously filmed some of it at, at games, like where they're walking him around the pitch and he's getting pulled out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're obviously going, We're yeah. going to film something. Some, if you want to see, him, this is going to have gone over it. And, and so that all looks quite real, where they're walking him around the pitch and people are chucking stuff at him. Because uh, that, that's all quite the fun. They, mm. they, they,
0: so, uh, um, which, what, so, um, question, just a quick question because, um, I haven't made it to the end of the book yet because I've been lazy this time. I usually use audible, and so when I'm at work and do my thing, I can listen to it all day and I can do a book within a couple of days. But this wasn't on audible, so I've had to, for the first time in god knows how long, read a book. It's not my thing. Um, mm. so I've got most of the way through now. At the end of the film. It, it's the whole uh, white supremacist movement, and he's in there getting the old big Z car thing,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and his old sergeant comes over, what the fuck are you doing, blah, blah, and he says, I'm, I'm in the middle of a job, and then you just see him yeah. standing there on his own, getting the old Z car, and he's like, I, and, it, and I, I was left wondering, okay, so was he on a job, or was he not, what the fuck's going on? So, uh, does the book elaborate anymore on that? Uh, that doesn't happen.
2: No, that's just an oh, add-on
0: that's,
1: that's the end of the book. That's, a, that, that's, the that, that's just that's
0: just the way to end the film. Yeah, didn't yeah. end it very well. If I'm, no, i just, no, it didn't. It just anything. left me with questions that I, that didn't need asking because it probably didn't happen.
2: Yeah, I and mean, it also so that, takes away quite a bit from the actual book because it's like that just didn't happen. You know, so that mm.
0: takes away from but that's, paint, think, that's also painting the the author in a really bad fucking light yeah, yeah, as totally,
2: well. Totally, totally. So it's it's a real that's the biggest um bollock dropped away from the from the book and between the book and the film.
1: Yeah. Wow, I, I, so, I think so. I think well, I think I think well, there's a couple of things you can take from that. Obviously, the book wasn't out first; it was the film done first. So I suppose but I even go, well, so, I
0: he had to put his hey, seal of approval on that and to to have him. Yeah. Uh, Mm. Yeah, but uh, well, uh, not
2: necessarily. It well. might not. I've had yeah, that once. Much you've of sold stuff, it, sold the yeah. rights. They can do all sorts. I mean, I know that happened quite a bit with Green Street. um That once the story you've necessarily put in front, or they buy the rights off you, can change dramatically. Once the director gets, wow,
0: yeah. I'd have been well, pissed. Quite... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been well, so fucking angry.
2: Oh, yeah. well, oh. listen, I would have looked at the like, back balance
1: and been a little bit yeah. less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Cause I think I think in the because like if you like like Richard had maybe read the book before you watch the film, in the book, he, he he clearly would need at least a year off of doing nothing to get his head back to because you know, like 20 pints a day and six full Englishes a day for two years was not you know, plus beating people up was not really like a lifestyle that you could carry on. And I'm sure that if at the end of that, at at the end of the operation, if it went right, we've got a new one for you, and it's infiltrating the NF. Go on, off you go. He was clearly not mentally stable enough to do anything like that. So, well, you could argue that he
0: was just in the right frame of mind to do it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but but,
1: but, yeah, exactly. But I mean, I suppose for the film, they needed an end, and the end that in because the end of the book was he had a meeting with a, a. again i think it was rory from the manchester depot oh no it wasn't it was um was it mi was it was it mi5 or was it security services who wanted him to go they wanted him, they wanted him to go and work for them and uh, mm-hmm. he turned down the barbados job and then um he was having a meeting um and uh he said well, what and james said to the the guy what do you think i should do he said if i was you i'd walk away just quit the force and just go and do whatever you want to do. Because if you can do what you're doing now, you can do whatever you want to do. And then a week later, he handed his notice in and he left. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I think he's like he obviously took acting lessons, wrote the screenplay, uh, and uh, started his own airline. Did you ever ask him about the airline, Ed? No, because that's I one question I want to know. <laughs> he just started his own, his own airline. How the yeah. fuck did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. one day.
3: Well, do so we know what it way? was called? No.
1: Uh, no uh, well, 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 I think I think he said in the book. He said uh, he said uh, the margins are really small but really profitable. But I almost lost everything, so don't do it. So yeah. Well, I'm yeah. just going to go and buy a Boeing. Yeah, I'm going to buy a yeah. Boeing and I'll fly it to Ibiza during the summer. Why not? Uh, no. So that's how he ended up uh, in yeah. real life.
0: <clears throat> I don't need to finish the book now, then, do I? No. No. Don't no worry about it. No. <laughs>
1: no. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he uh, he did say um he did say that uh, he never spoke to well. He he only ever spoke to Chris once uh, after that, and that was at the um the lady's funeral who was looking after their office. Angie, look, she, Angie, yeah. So she died, um and then he said hello or whatever, and that was it. He never spoke to him after that since. Yeah, really, no yeah, he did say. Well, I can see their relationship was very fractious from mm. from the start. You know, I suppose. I suppose Chris being what I could just class as a job's worth, a a, a Mm copper's copper, you know, just a proper little job's worth, not liking James really and what James was doing, even though James was doing police work, just not Mm -hmm. the way he wanted him to do it. Um, He did say say he'd been down to a few games and all that, hadn't he? He'd he'd gone down to games and bumped into a couple of people, um, which I thought was really fucking brave. Like, yeah. what the fuck, you know, would you, what the fuck would you do that? You'd still, well, it's a you weird you'd, one. You'd still way. ways,
2: there, There'll be some, I would imagine, who were, like, quite proud of, like, being able to go, and they mates, that was me, that was me, that's based on me, that's based on me, and kind of like that kind of notoriety, I suppose. So, yeah. Yeah, the thing with him going, you know, the license in the film where he go, then goes into that area of the far right, uh, it just wouldn't have happened anyway because there could have well have been a bit of a crossover with people who, uh, who would fall at football because he'd have probably come across a few of the same faces, you know. Yeah, of course, sure. particularly yeah. Particularly with Millwall. Mm-hmm. Most of them, you know?
0: So, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, you would have got a lot of white suprem- supremacists in the uh, football hooligan type of uh, environment. I'm sure, I'm sure you. Probably came across them yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, that, 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 that's I, I was going to ask, going to ask you both uh, what your favourite parts of the film were <clears throat> uh, before we move on to uh, Eddie's uh, book. Uh, but there's one, there's one scene that I've just remembered that I can remember watching back then, like back in the day on VHS, uh, that wasn't in the Amazon Prime movie or the new movie. It's when he sits in his house. A bowl of cornflakes and throws a load of cocaine over it.
3: And
2: oh, just I've been there. On the... We've all I done watched, it. Yeah, I, I watched <laughs> that. I watched it again a, a couple of days ago, and that scene was in it. No, oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene. Was oh, in
1: it. Well, I just must not have been paying attention at the time. I remember him sitting no, down with a big rapper just rah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, corn oh. cocaine on the cornflake.
3: Yeah,
0: um, I watched it. It was in it last night when I watched it. I, oh, I watched what? it. It was in there. Oh, I just must sorry, have turn- smashed his ass no. and he sits
2: down gets it and he cuts yeah. that
1: and he just caught Oh out. with the TV that's broken, he's sitting looking at the smashed TV. Yeah. I must yeah. have turned away for a second. Yeah. I just must yeah. have done yeah. But How Richie, um <laughs> Richie, what's your what what was your what was your favourite scene and what was your kind of takeaway scene from the film?
0: Oh, I like the scene where he's fucking his missus up the wall. That's my favourite scene. <laughs> I knew you was gonna say that. <laughs> I
1: knew it. <laughs> and is that your takeaway no. scene as well?
0: Uh, it was on maybe. the night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, what was your favourite part of the film?
0: Um,
2: I like the bits on the train because that bought and, and coming off the train and uh, and Bill the being there pulling up that brought back a lot of memories. But also, I think the first time he walks in the boozer, and it's full on and there and he gets cropped, Then yeah, because that brings back a few memories when you're walking the wrong booze I and mean, everyone's looking at you, you just go oh for fuck's sake so I just bought that happened it's really made me laugh yeah I've been there a few um, times.
1: The, I think I think the one the one scene that's uh that uh, sticks with me and it was um it was a little bit different in the book uh but when they're I think it must have been like a mills uh Middlesbrough or Newcastle match when they were getting pouted um, with like bricks and all that and then Gumbo gets a dart in his head and <laughs> he just appears <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> he's dart in his head. And I just thought like I mean I mean was, was that the kind of thing that would happen, uh, Eddie? Uh, yeah,
2: there's it a really famous photograph of um uh, at Swansea Cardiff and a guy's got this he, guy's got a dart hanging out of his face and being led away by a copper but while he's walking away beaming. Smiling, yeah. Um, they, that used to be a big thing. I got down to a coin once hit me in the ice, i used to get all that. But golf balls with stuff stuck in and throwing yeah, yeah. And all of,
0: yeah. In all seriousness though, my favourite scene would probably be where well, I think them is the I can't remember what game it was, but the, they they end up in the uh the opposite team's crowd. And uh <laughs> yeah. they just start singing the, the Millwall chants and everything, then uh, they the ian like say, he ends up on the pitch being jagged off and you got that scene with him like on someone's shoulder that that, <laughs> that for, for me that was my favorite part of the film my my, my main takeaway mm. everything else quite seemed forgettable to be honest mm. Mm. I, did like, uh, I think mm.
1: i think i think i think one of my laugh out loud bits was when they ended up in the uh, in the pharmacy hiding and they've all got the yeah. they've all got the hairspray and then uh, the bloke goes uh, I think they've gone now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, so doesn't right. so, yeah, doesn't
0: say it in the film, but he does in the book. He's like, with a what? What the fuck were we gonna do with this hairspray if I did turn, turn up? I suppose it's oh, one of um, them. You just panic, don't you? Like, and I, think I think that
1: was. Uh, I think that was in the same like match scene uh, segment of the film where um, Chris legs it and he jumps on the bus. And then it gets battered by the woman
2: (laughs) with the shopping. (laughs) It turns out that I do a in a couple of them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was quite good, actually. Yeah. Um, So all in all, and I'm sure normally this is where we ask which you preferred, whether you preferred the book or the film uh richie what is your what what, what is your a, verdict do you prefer the book or the film
0: it's no it's a no brain and i think anybody who's done both will everybody will say the same thing next the book by a country mile hmm. I, don't, I might be wrong though
2: no i totally agree i think you have to understand that uh, uh, the uh, the film of when the film was made and how long ago it was made and it was quite quite sort of a groundbreaking film on that side of things i suppose but yeah i mean the books books like this like on another planet level compared to the film books so much better
1: i've saw on uh, imdb that there's uh, room well there's rumors of uh, a running with the firm film to be made uh, it's showing up on imdb at least what? in know well, in the idea phase
2: well those films make a lot of money they, they hang around for a long time they're constantly being played on um, on uh, sort of sky channels and stuff like that they make a lot of money I and mean, it can be quite cheap I need money. to
0: get people like yourself there more people like yourself and people who have been there seeing it as consultants so as they can make it make it properly rather than it being just another hooligan. one of those fucking uh, football hooligan films that's wow. it, which has become quite, kind of generic now. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, well, that that is a perfect segue into uh, our guest, Eddie Brimson. Uh, We're talking about your, we'll say book, or you say novella. So, can we say novella, uh, "Naughty Boy"? Um, Mm. Can you can you just talk us through um, first of all how the book became?
2: Well, the book the book book became because um, in two thousand and twelve. I was approached to write a, a football violence film by Lionsgate. And uh, well, my mate, mine, Joe, was the director, they wanted to, he uh, was his first AD, they wanted him to direct his first film. And I said to him, look, I'll write this, but I don't want to write another tear-me-up tear film. I don't want to do Green Street 3. I don't want to do that. That's, that's a definite no And they were like, yeah, 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 we don't want that. And then the first screenplay I wrote, It was much more about nature nurture them and us, how society moulds you, and football violence, or violence was the main character's thing, but it it sort of manifested itself at football. But there were many reasons, very complex character. I wrote that, I took it in the Lionsgate, and they said, yeah, it's a bit too arthouse. This is too arthouse. And so I tucked that one away. I wrote three or four more versions of the script, and in the end, we got to a point where, I remember being in a meeting and he goes um, we've had a word with kaz from marketing and she really thinks that we need a bit of a love interest in here and i just went does she now well can we get kaz in here because she's a fucking genius she's telling <laughs> the creative people to make the film to make it easier for her to market why don't we get an air in and write the film and that was i wrote a final script for them they did want green street free. i wrote a final one they didn't offer, we, we needed just over a million quid to make it. They offered us half of it and they wanted someone else to fund the rest of it, but Lionsgate wanted main billing and you just can't get that. And Joe pulled in so many favours with with uh, actors. We had a whole cast lined up, really good British cast. Um, and then uh, and then they asked if they could buy the script. But because I was quite a surprisingly loyal fella, I wouldn't do that because that would have cut Joe out. So I left it, and then after a few years, I was going back. I thought I need something to do. Oh, I'll have a look at the scripts I've written, and I got the scripts out. And I thought I'll turn that into a book. And the process of going from screenplay to book—it's not the way to do it.
3: It's really (laughs) not
2: the way to do it. It's really arse about face because it's it's a mammoth mammoth task. And then halfway through doing the book. I decided I might try and do it at play, as a play at Edinburgh, because when I go to Edinburgh, I like to do something different. I do very different stand-up at Edinburgh, and I thought, I'll do this, I'll get some actors to do this. Actors are notoriously flaky, so I thought, I'll get some comics to do it. Comics are notoriously flaky, so in the end, (laughs) I'll have to do this myself. So I decided to do it myself, then turned it into a one-man play for an hour. And that changed the narrative of the original book. And then when I came back from Edinburgh, because it went very well in Edinburgh, I decided to really condense the book, get the book down, and that's why it's now a novella. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want any padding; it had to be bang, bang, bang. Every word so it had to count. Mm-hmm. So that's how we arrived at, at, at that, at the book.
1: So. so can you give us can you give us a brief overview of what the book is about?
2: The books about nature right the, the the premise at the beginning for the book was everybody seems to have an excuse for their behavior right no matter what they do everyone's like this happened to me or, or or i've got this i've got that some people are just bad people some people are there has to be an acceptance and some people are just violent some people are just nasty people and the, the character in this in this thing, he's a very violent man, but there's a lot of very complex, yeah, Joe is the, main, is the character in it, very violent man. It starts in an institution, then we go on this hedonistic weekend where sex, drugs, and violence, football violence, and then it's really chilling conclusion at the end. And then we come back to the institution and it leaves them without, you're not sure whether he's there working or whether he's there as a patient. So, so it, oh, leaves it, it leaves it like that. So, um, yeah, I like and, right. uh, So, that's well, the guy. But he drops all in the book, he drops all these bombs about stuff that happened when he was a kid, and this happened, and this was my upbringing, and da 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 da. But when it comes to the conclusion at the end, it goes back on all those things. And it's just like, it's, it's the <clears throat> shit you people believe, You know, I'm just, I'm just, these are all little. I don't really want to give it away, but these
1: are all. No no, 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 no it's, don't, no, don't, don't, don't.
2: Just about and, uh, uh, I think, in a different path. And yeah. the end, just goes. Some of us are just cunts.
1: <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, I think, I think, uh, I think, I think we can leave Richie out here for a second because I don't think Richie's uh, managed to get through the book just yet because he didn't get through Running with the Firm. But um, <clears throat> what, uh, what what I took from Joe, uh, first of all, I thought he was because obviously he starts off and whether he's a cook or he's just a server in this what i can gather is like a mental hospital maybe Uh, Mm. but he seems very self-aware he seems very intelligent uh and he you know he knows what he's doing kind of thing so so what i was trying to picture was a guy who and i'm not saying it's a dead-end job but for a guy who's serving fish to mentally ill people Um, But he's really, you know, how has he got to this point? I didn't quite understand. It's like, what is he doing in this job? If he's so self-aware and he's so intelligent, because you can see it, then what is the issue? And when you look, look, like you're saying about what happened in the past, what happened in the past, it seemed he had quite a, 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 spoiler alert, he seemed to have quite a good upbringing as far as I was reading it. So it was like, it was like, where is this, you know, but it's a really good, uh, and like I said, it's very snappy. It's very straight to the point. You can follow it very easily. Um. Were the which elements of the book came from the film? If you know what I mean. So when you wrote the script, which which bits of the script survived the book? I mean, I was looking at maybe uh, the fight in the chip shop. Uh, obviously, the couple of um, like some maybe towards the end, um, and like you know the bits where he went away with the with the um, with the guys at the football, uh, because right. that was kind of because if you like if you didn't know you and your writing background, you wouldn't have put that together if you know what i mean like mm. i was i think i was maybe expecting a little bit more of that rather than what i got but what i got was probably even better if you know what i mean it was a really really good journey and i was trying to figure the guy out all the way
2: along <clears throat> no, that's, that's, that's very kind to say the bits um the, the bits with the football uh, the bits of the, about i mean it's 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 a very very different from the original screenplay in the way it sets the scene about his family and life, but the whole the whole ethos of him coming from a good background, uh, the stuff about how he was treated as a kid, but it's a lot about the political side of how he believes he's moulded by society, but it's not what you it's not what you want what they want. He's got his own mind, and so that's a thread all the way through. What was a thread all the way through the original. Uh, film and then it does come back to this conclusion. What happens in the tube station and then it does it does actually start in the institution and come back to the institution in the original screenplay. So um, so yeah, that side of it. But I, I just had to cut out so much chaff um, from uh, if if anyone listening to this is into writing. Best book I've ever read. on writing is is is, is uh, George Orwell. George Orwell's got a book called Why I Write, and it's about his writing <laughs> process. And it's that every single word has to have uh, has to be there for a reason. Every word, and that's about. And so that's why I think the novella. If I cut it down to a novella. I could have padded it out easy. There's loads that I could have done. There's loads of scenes at football I could have put in. There's loads more about family and relationships I could have put in, but I, di- I didn't want any of that. I just wanted to be bang, 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 and uh, yeah. So from from that side of it, um, I just really condensed it all down for the book and uh, and for the play. But hopefully, you know, someone might pick up on it eventually and go, "This is a much more interesting story." But it's it's got that element of football in it. You know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of bored of the football because it is it's all the same revenge,
1: have you know, Someone got killed.
2: Someone,
1: you know. I saw just crap. It's, it's, the, uh, the, it's being done. The one bit, uh, the one bit that um, kind of pricked my ears up a little
0: bit was
1: uh, iffy. Yeah. Now iffy uh, was called iffy for a reason, and if I remember correctly, uh, mm. you do a bit in your stand-up about when you're in Bangkok, and I think uh, the bit uh, that I remember was when the joke you tell is about when you're reading the menu. It's, it's and i don't know whether i don't know whether um i don't know whether like your experience in bangkok was kind of
2: iffy if you
1: know not that actual experience but like
3: like i've oh, well, got
2: obviously. a mate Iffy chris and and i've got and he's iffy for a reason and um and i've got also got other mates who've, who've been out to that part of the world quite a few times and that's amalgamation of two or three mates stuff that's happened to them that comes to that story that they've, they've been well, actually um, mate who was in exactly that position and then did come <laughs> up and tell us and it's like mate why did you tell us that you're never going to live that day.
1: So, <laughs> so, that yeah. so so yeah. so not there's a, true, true, there's right a lot right of
2: right true, right. In, the, in the book there's a lot of true yeah. stories of you know stuff drawn not in from all sorts of
1: not to leave Richie out of that um the uh the bit in the book uh Sorry. with Ify, Richie was uh, no, that uh, the uh, well, uh, Eddie, do you want to tell it because you wrote the bloody
2: book? <laughs> i got a Chris, and it's called Iffy because he goes, he when he was young, he went out to Bangkok to find himself, right? But he basically fucked off so other people couldn't find him. And then one night, whilst partaking in some oral stimulation, he sits up to go for a cheeky little stroke at a horse's nose, only to find the horse he was with turned out to be quite a big part filly, yeah? So that's <laughs> and then he went back, let go. And she stuck a finger off his bum, and he just thought, "I've paid for it. I might as well carry on." <laughs> what,
0: to be honest, if, it's one of them. If I was in, if I was in uh, Toyland, I'd have, yeah, you know, went in Rome, Yep, <laughs> just have a go, don't you? You might as well, well.
2: That's the that's the story. There's a there's a fair bit of dark humour in the book. Uh, I think I need to check the no, out. Is it, yeah, is
1: it? I mean, is I mean, it unaudible? <laughs> <laughs> um how did you um no, no, but uh, no but what I, I mean it's only uh it's only about 104 pages in it eddie so you know you can it's 20,
2: you can read Yes. Yeah, so
1: you know yeah i mean i think i probably read it in maybe well, like two or three sitting so it's and it's because it is a really good read you you do go all the way you know it's you just carry on it's very very snappy uh which is really good um when you're doing the play um is it different at all because now obviously you're a stand-up comedian and obviously you do Edinburgh show so you've got to do a 55 you, you have to remember 55 minutes in your head um yeah. but is it is it kind of like scene for scene word for word in the play have you just adapted yeah, it, it you is, just...
2: yeah but obviously the play the book the the, the play before it's held, this is our world, the play is just about ten thousand words the book's twenty-seven thousand words so again the play's really condensed down but yeah, it's just 55 minutes of dialogue and I've taken a really sort of pivotal to get the story in the play, right? So that it's the same thread of just had to take really pivotal scenes. And that was quite hard doing that because there's a lot, it's like any writing process. You've got a really good idea and you want to get it in, but sometimes you just have to go, I can't, it's not going to fit.
0: So do you find that doing it that way, you end up losing a bit of substance that you'd Liked to have kept in, but you couldn't. Yeah, there's a few bits that I'd like to have kept in.
2: If I, I do the play now as an hour, but if if need be, I could easily do it to an hour and a half or an hour, and so probably an hour and 15, hour and 20, and put other bits in. But it's still the, the backbone of the story. Is uh, I, I managed to keep into the play so people still go away with exactly the same thing you yeah. said. Is he working? Is he not working? Like this blood guy is really complex. Is vile, but I kind of get it. I kind of understand. That's the thing that people say. The most disturbing thing is people say, "I can really relate to that, and i really don't like myself relating to some of that stuff." It's
0: it's but kind of like the antihero thing. It's like the film Falling Down when um oh hmm. it's Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. He just yeah. he just loses it, and then we're in the middle of the street, and it just goes off on, and then everybody you meet will go completely get
1: him. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah it's funny you <laughs> should say that um say it's funny you should say about joe uh the character i i didn't see i didn't i didn't see him as a violent person i kind of like <clears throat> as i was reading it he was kind of like this is me this is my life kind of thing like i didn't really get like i'm a really angry violent person from joe though i mean obviously there was some scenes where yes but i didn't i didn't take that i just as i said i thought he was a very self-aware person
2: um there's a lot about compassion and in the book and there's one of the big threads in it there's a lot about compassion and there's a lot about loyalty and love in the book and Mm. um that's that that's what makes him complex and his violence although he admits he's a very very violent man he enjoys he enjoys violence he kind of seeks it out it's very targeted. It's very, very targeted, yeah. which is why mm-hmm. you might think, oh, yeah, you know, it's not just the sort of bloke who go out and just lay into someone in the pub. It's mm-hmm. it's sort of targeted, and but there are other yeah. things. He's got a very mo- moralistic stance on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. particularly politically, of where people like him are valued within society, and that's where his anger comes from. I think. Well, I think.
1: Uh, I think I think well one of my favorite parts or probably the favorite part of the book was um was with Spider-Man. Um, yeah. which which I thought was so funny. I, I, not I, obviously like I, I took it that the guy might have had like you know a mental yeah. issue or maybe down syndrome or something yes. like that. I, I kind of took it that was the that was the character but that bit where um the bit with the chairs where he wouldn't move I just thought that yeah. was so funny. <laughs> yeah
2: and he explains about how Actually, that they're they're not. You do understand. You keep saying you do understand. It's not him we're laughing at. We laugh. Yeah, we're not exactly. Yeah. At him. And actually, you're lucky that it's us who found him, not someone else, because we'll actually exactly. look after him. We're using him to take the piss out of ourselves because they're all with each mm-hmm. other. And yeah, yeah. That's. um And I think
1: yeah. and I, and I think that's what you're saying there about his aggression is targeted and Mm. and obviously his friends aggressions are targeted because it's there's a guy here who's quite vulnerable and and even though i think it was darren marta started winding him up to start with he proper had darren in the net three or four times and everyone just thought that's so funny
2: and then he, he does make the point of saying how dare you feel sorry for him or compare him to me because he's a far better man than i will ever be so don't be hypocritical when you try to judge us all the same we are different he, he's clearly very different from me, but he's a better man than I'll ever be. And he says that—that's—that's that's one of the whole things with that scene. It's like you know, we're not—we're not, we, not for uh, six blokes taking the piss out of a Down syndrome kid. We're actually he—we're we, using him to take the piss out of us and each other. And actually, he's lucky that it's us he's with, and mm-hmm. not some people who really would take the piss out of him. In fact. You know, we'll make sure he gets where he needs to be. You know, because he said in fact lucky him going out shopping with his auntie.
0: That's yeah. a clever piece of writing on your part then, because that could be um that, that could have easily have been done wrong and not not come across that way, if you know what I mean. So the fact that you can read it and you can get you can get that, that that's clever writing. Whereas if I tried to do that, it would be me taking the piss out of someone with Down syndrome. Uh well,
2: it's, it's very it's very kind of you to say. Uh, <laughs> those things take a long time to write and get, you know. But if you've got an idea of what the message you, you try, what you're trying to say, what the messages you're trying to do with this scene, then, um, then yeah, it's just a matter. I just want
0: I just to want to, want to, want to, want. to uh, point out. So I, I wouldn't take the piss out of someone with dancing, John, but that's how it would come across. How <laughs> I many
1: disclaimers cool. are we having in this podcast, um, <laughs> uh, uh, Eddie? Uh, Eddie, do I feel that there's a sequel to Naughty Boy somewhere in the works, or?
2: Well, it's funny, you- some people, people, a lot of people have said that they that they want they want more from that character or some of the other characters. Um, my next a prequel, I maybe. Want, I want to write now. I want to write something which is full of humour. Is the next thing I want to write because as much as I love performing this, it's fantastic to do live. Fucking brilliant to do live.
0: I mean, you probably should, as a comedian, really do at least one thing, shouldn't you? That's got humour.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, the next the next one, the next next one, play I'm writing, I know what it's going to be about. I've just got to get my arse in gear and write it. There's going to be much more humorous. But again, it's really going to have, there's going to be moments of real political, uh, it's about making a point. The next one, I'm, it's going to be about, it's, it's called The Comedian. It's going to be about a comedian, but it's how we perceive you, not the other way around. Interesting. So, Very interesting. Us, what do you think we think of you? And uh so it's coming on that perception. So there'll be a lot of social comment in there. Particularly now. I don't know if you've been out digging. It's uh people are strange, The it's the wealthy Every,
1: Well everyone's back in the back in the mix now. So Eddie, where can where can we find Naughty Boy? Where can we find
2: it? You can get the novella either a Kindle download and you can get a free Kindle off Amazon or a paperback from amazon and live uh i'm I'm taking it on tour wherever i can take it my next run of gigs are in at the camden fringe 23rd to 27th of august at the hope theater in islington i'm really looking forward to that and then there'll just be other dates dotted around because getting a theater run at the moment is quite tough because theaters are just all over the show because yeah of course. But, uh, yeah.
1: But it's something but it's it's something to have I think the good thing about uh creating something, you've got it in the pocket, you know. What I mean it's not gonna you know there's no oh, yeah, time yeah. limit on on that. So you've yeah. got yeah, you've got until forever. Uh Richie, before we wrap up, have you got any final
0: words? Um no, just follow us everywhere. Uh, We're on Facebook, on Twitter. You can follow us on anywhere. Most places you can find a podcast, but mainly go to Spotify because that's what everybody does, or Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, Adapted to Screen Podcast. So, yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: And, Eddie, where can we find your latest information?
0: Uh, My
2: website is all on there, www.eddybrunson.com. And I'm on, you know, Eddie Brimson Facebook, Eddie Brimson YouTube, and you see some clips from the play. Um, if you want, they're up on YouTube as well. And I'm on a, the, on the yeah, website.
1: I've seen a, I've seen a few of those. Yeah, I've seen a few of those. They're pretty cool. Well, uh, I think that's everything. Then is have we covered everything? Have we missed anything out? That's the main I thing.
0: I don't think so. Um, Good. We usually talk about the soundtrack of the film, but there's not really anything to say oh, about the soundtrack no, of the film because no, 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 it was like no, an American no. horror film soundtrack.
1: It, no, it was, so normally. <clears throat> no no sorry eddie normally what we do uh we pick like a soundtrack for the film so whether it's like a band or whatever but it's quite funny because you picked a soundtrack for naughty boy and that's what made me oh. laugh when i read it i was like he's picked a soundtrack for his book that's exactly what we do um what was the soundtrack you picked for Naughty uh, it's, Boy?
2: Uh, it's a band called new town aces which um uh, a punk band and then there are, it's a new band, uh, they're a punk band, but okay. they're very political. But the, the, the lyrics in that really do mirror the the, the writing in the book and, and what's in the well, play. Well,
1: Brilliant. Uh, Rich, has got, uh, Rich has got a very successful uh, other podcast called uh, You Haven't Heard This Music podcast where he show, oh, plays get, and showcases
2: new music. Yeah. God, New hear, absolutely superb. Actually, if you like music which actually says something, which has got a political message to it, it's fantastic. Absolutely
1: brilliant. Nice. Check that <clears throat> out. I, oh, uh, I, I thought maybe uh, like a soundtrack track from The Who might have fitted quite well with uh, yeah. ID. Um, yeah. you know, a, bit, a bit rocky, maybe a little bit more angry than the other rock that was knocking a bait, if you know what I mean. Um, I thought that would have suited quite yeah. well. What about you, Richie?
0: Yeah, yeah, that type of thing. I I I think the Sex Pistols would have been too punk for that film. Maybe Mm, I think so. Um, But yeah, that kind of not uh, anger would not too. I I don't know. Not the fucking soundtrack it had. It sounded like something from um, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, in parts. Mm.
1: (laughs) I thought you know something like the Who, someone like the Ramones. I thought would have done quite well. Yes, Ramones
0: um, would cool as
1: a soundtrack in there. Well, Eddie, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been a Thanks pleasure. Be. Nice nice to see you again. It's been about five years, but uh, nice yes. to see you again.
2: And likewise, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: And until, until next time, nobody likes us. <laughs>
2: no one likes us. <laughs> we don't care. No one likes us. No one likes us. <laughs> <laughs> We left early on the Friday to make the most of the weekend. Myself, Darren, Philbs, Keith, Ryan, Eddie and Iffy. Now there's a reason Iffy's called Ify, obviously. A good few years back, Iffy headed out to Asia in order to find himself. Well, that's what he told his dear old mum anyway. It actually fucked off so certain other people couldn't find him, if you know what I mean. But mums being mums, well, they don't need to hear all that now, do they? Like a lot of men who headed out east, if he only made it far as Bangkok, mainly due to the vast amounts of horizontal refreshment that is so readily available in that part of the world, to young fuckwits such as himself. One night, whilst partaking in some oral stimulation, if he decided to sit up and go for a cheeky little stroke of the horse's nose, only to find that the particular filly he was with turned out to be quite a big part donkey, if you know what I mean. They both froze, their eyes locked, and not quite knowing what to do if he let go and began to lean back. However, the he-she positioned between his legs and with his cock still in situ decided to test the water by pushing a digit up his bum. No, not most people, if he can't resist a bargain and having paid in advance, well, best blowjob he's ever had apparently. His mistake was coming back and telling Eddie because within an hour, we all knew. And from that moment on, Christopher J. Mills became known as Ify. Ify's also the supplier of Class A's. The pills and the powder that keep weekends such as that jogging along just the way they're meant to. But a group, Darren's the sensible one. Well, when I say sensible, apart from me, of course. And what I mean by that is Darren don't just fly off the handle. He's a thinker. Unlike Philbs. That said, Philbs flying off the handle is a beautiful sight. Believe me, I've seen it. Because Philbs, he ain't shy when it comes to punching people. In fact, none of us are. It's probably why we get on so well. Our collective liking for violence.
0: Hello and welcome to the Adapted to Screen podcast, a podcast where we take a book and its on-screen counterpart or maybe a theatre counterpart, whatever, whatever's been adapted um, and we we compare them, we talk about them, we break them apart and we have a bit of banter in the process also. Uh, This week we have brought the book Running with the Firm and the... Film ID. Now, the film ID came first. I feel that the book was uh, in response to the film because I don't think the film depicted the the story quite how the author wanted to. But that 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 you'll hear more about that in the show uh, this week. I'm joined with joined with joined by Phil McCulloch, as always, my uh, co-host. We're also joined by guest Eddie Brimson. Uh, it says here on the Googles that comedian Eddie Brimson turned his attention to television appearing as an actor in the likes of Thin Blue Line, Casualty Between the Lines, Silent Witness, Absolutely Fabulous, and EastEnders. He was a vicious lout who turned over Frank Butcher's car lot. Also the author of his most recent work, which is called Naughty Boy. And we'll also be talking more about that in the show. So, yes, um, please follow us on the socials, on the Twitter, (coughs) on the Facebook. Please follow us uh, on Spotify. You can find us on Spotify. That's where you'll find the, the podcast. This will also be broadcasted on YouTube. Please subscribe. Please give us a like please give us a comment on YouTube because it helps the algorithms and all that and helps us get get the the podcast out there. So yeah, if you like it, please do that. But without no more further dilly-dallying, this is our chat about ID slash running with the firm. Hi Phil. Hello.
1: Hello, Richie. How are you? How are you? You good? I'm very well, thank you.
0: Brilliant, and we have a special guest with us today, Eddie Brimson, author and what stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedian, yeah. So uh, thank you for joining us, Eddie. You you will.
2: Yeah, I'm very good, thank you, gents. I'm very good indeed. Thanks for having me along.
0: Good. Now it's our pleasure. Um, Phil, do you want to take it from here? <clears throat> yes, well, um, as um,
1: uh, as Richie said, uh, Eddie is uh, an author and a stand-up comedian. So we do have authors' notes, which is very exciting. Um, I don't know, Eddie. I don't know how much you wrote these notes yourself uh, or how much. You put. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> Eddie Brimson is an award-winning comedian and best-selling author, actor, and documentary maker. Eddie became a professional comedian in 2000, quickly established himself, himself as one of the most sought-after headliners acts on the UK circuit. Travelled all over the world as, and done solo shows in New Zealand, Australia, the Alps, that's very interesting, and of course the Edinburgh Festival. Previously, Eddie has penned six best-selling sports books based around football fan culture, four co-written alongside two solo titles – uh, he's also previously written one novel, the critically acclaimed. Easy for me to say, Hooligan, and this is my favourite bit about uh, your are about Eddie. His books have been translated into both Russian and Italian, with worldwide World sales date uh, today exceeding seven hundred thousand. That's wow. uh, that's that 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 would put any author to shame. I think there, Eddie
2: uh yeah quite happy with them um it sounds a lot but it doesn't necessarily equate into a lot of money because once you go to russia <laughs> and they, uh, they give you a grand to um publish your books you never hear anything about it again ever so uh, uh, that's a yeah, shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but it's one of them things that happens doesn't it you know so yeah.
1: that's good yeah. that's good work. i bet you got a bit of a jolly over in russia though
2: I've not been. I've not been. My brother spends oh, a lot okay. of time out there. because uh, we kind of went our separate ways, which is why I went to get in stand up, and then I started to write books on my own. But he spends a lot of time out there. He's a bit. He's a bit of a face out there. But uh, yeah, we've gone our separate ways as far as that's concerned. No oh, okay, but, cool.
1: I think because I think you uh you wrote four book. Uh, the 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 four co-written was with your brother. Um, was it yeah. the um I think it was a series of books. What was the um What was the well, series called?
2: The first book we wrote, um, we wrote in the build-up to Euro 96, which was um, mm. because football was changing dramatically, Sky was coming in, and the way that Sky were packaging football we felt was very different to the reality of people who were going actually week in, week out, and the way you were treated, and the darker side of football, because they understand all that. And so the first book we wrote was one called Everywhere We Go, which sort of blew the lid on organised football violence, also why people, you know, we tried to explain the type of people who who get involved, because it's not the stereotypical image that people, that was portrayed in the press, Uh, massive uh, uh, sort of go at the press as well for the way they reported stuff. Um, the, The point behind it was to highlight why people get, if you want to solve this problem, you have to understand the type of people that get involved. Uh, They come from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of classes, um, economically and social, um, and understand why they do it. And then we offered a load of solutions that we felt at the time would have stopped me or my brother getting involved in it. And a lot of that stuff was actually implemented at the time, things like um, bans, travel bans having to put, you know, report to police stations and stuff like that on Saturdays. So a lot of it that we wrote, is actually taken on board, yeah, but um, the press don't like to feature that, they used to just feature <laughs> on the other side, so, uh, so yeah. Well, it's what, sells, it's what sells papers though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And then so we wrote another three, uh, on specifically one about London, one about Derby's, and then one following uh, England, and, and then yeah, we just sort of went our separate ways, and I, I, I made a couple of films following England overseas and wrote a couple of books from in England at 20 weeks as well, which were great, which was great, which were brilliant. Following England away is fantastic.
1: So, uh, yeah. I'll have to get you on to talk about that another time then. Um, so uh, when was your uh, – oh, quick question that I, that I tried not to ask you while we were uh, talking about doing the podcast. <clears throat> have you ever met James Bannon?
2: Yes, I met him in Edinburgh. I met him in Edinburgh because he went oh, up there okay and did a show up there about it. Really nice fella. So, yeah, I met him um, and got a copy of the book. Uh, And, yeah, really interesting fella. So, um, yeah, brave, brave to do what he did. But, yeah, very
1: interesting. Well, I'd say even even braver to talk about it afterwards, I think, as well. um, Because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. uh, And we'll talk about this later on. But, uh, like, things like how I think the book wasn't, I think the book and the film really—it wasn't really about like football violence. well it was about football violence, but there wasn't really very much violence there. It was kind of how the police behaved and were portrayed. I think more than anything else.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he kind of he kind of had a go at it on both sides, really. Obviously, uh, I'm sure he lost a few uh, lost a few friends, and there's a certain few places he certainly would not walk into nowadays. <laughs> after that. But he also did balance it by exposing the way the police. Police football back then, and uh, and their role in it. And I've always had an issue with that. There's a big, in in all our books, I've always sort of, the police make a lot of money out of football, a lot of money. Um, football clubs have to pay a fortune to police forces, to police games, and even particularly now when there's not a, really that much, uh, there's, there's nowhere near the amount of trouble that there was back then. Um, our argument was always, I could walk into any football grounds, as I'm sure most football fans could, And I could immediately point out, if there's going to be trouble, it's going to be from that lot there. There's not many crimes that you would say, I know where it's going to happen, what time of day it's happening, what day and who it's going to be. And yet the police never really have got on top of it, but they get an awful lot of publicity and make an awful lot of money out of football. And uh, that's a question that we just always used to throw at them all the time. So it's an, it's an interesting subject, that. You could talk for ages about
0: it. It's, right? it's, it's a funny thing because I don't think it's just the police either. It's like uh, when I worked in security, like uh, when I was working the doors, uh, you'd have s- s- guards on the doors and you'd have situations occur that didn't need to occur because just because the, the person that you were working with on the door was shit at his job and uh-huh. he, he, thought, he thought he was more powerful than and, and he'd try to... It would just make situations worse where somebody who knew what they're doing could walk in and talk the situation down and be more professional. And I think that was, but listening to the story about the police, that seemed like the same thing. They were just, that—that they, they, they thought they had this authority and they just wanted to push it and use it a lot of the time. And rather than making the situation better, which they could have done, they would just make it worse by going in and making th- making things worse. Well, yeah, 100%. The prime example of that, or the, I mean, you used to get that. Yeah, back in
2: the day, you get off a special return, particularly the West Midlands place. Any any football fan back in the day would tour the West Midlands place were be far and away the worst. You'd get off a train and they'd be straight on your bang, right in your face. There'd be you know, people pulled out before you'd even started. And that just would rile people up. But a, the best example I can give is during the Euros in two thousand which was split between Holland and Belgium. There were no problems in Belgium, uh, in Holland whatsoever, because the police, the way they policed it, they were there in a massive presence, but they just let everybody have a drink. Everybody is Holland, people were smoking, doing what they do. Second we got over into Belgium, they were right in your face, and that was the one where from Shardwa, they deported like 280 people, just rounded them up, leaving people's wives in hotels and didn't know where they were, and... At the policing, the way things are policed, there's a massive sort of um, uh, it, 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 it impacts on the people that they're policing. You know, so if people are in your face giving you the biggie, after a while you start pushing back, really.
1: Yeah. So, so um, uh, Eddie, when was the first time you? I mean, um, first question is, have you read Running with the Firm? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent stuff, and when uh, because I think this is a this this is this is well this is our first episode on a non fiction book to start with, Uh but from from what I believe the book came out like what twenty years after the film was yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah. so so this is the first time that it was the film and then the book Um, yeah yeah um, when when was the first time you saw I D if you can remember,
2: uh, probably when it first came out, because there was a whole raft of films like that back then. Um, uh, so it was, and, and of all of those films, ID is without doubt um, the closest to the reality of what it was like back then. I mean, it's still there's still some bits in it. I you, when you watch it, I watched it again the other day, and there's some bits in it you just say, "Oh Jesus Christ!" You know, it's clearly just some director going, "Well, it's like this." It's like, no, no, it ain't like that at all. You know mm-hmm. the blokes puffing the the fire out in the pub, and or you know the oh, fire. Yeah, that was yeah. bonkers. <laughs> and, you
3: know,
2: yeah. and, and the type of the people it was just ridiculous. But <sighs> you know that's creative. directors uh, having to have their input. In it. I remember it's really funny. I used to do a lot of TV extra work, and it's really funny actually. Our first book, I was doing, I was doing a casualty. And it was whilst doing this casualty that my brother and I had this idea to do our first ever book. Because we were bored sitting around talking about the reality of going to football, what is, uh, Sky were doing it. Um, but we, it was a casualty and we were doing a riot scene. Yeah, And there was a few of us at this bookshop and then this big mob come around. They want to shut the bookshop down. So it's massive riot scene, about 200 people and I'm leading the charge with my, there's eight of us at the front because we look like we do. And I've got this foam brick, and I've got well, action, they come around the corner, I throw this brick, and the guy's screaming, guys, cut, 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 and, I, and then I'm cut, and he goes, right, we've got to do that again. And he goes, and he to me and he goes, he goes, you listen, you wouldn't throw a brick like that. And I just looked at him and went, no, but out of me and you, who'd the most bricks? in a hole at the place was cracked up laughing but again yeah, it's like no i don't want you to do it like this i want you to do it i like said like, okay we do it how you want to
1: do it moving back to the uh, uh moving back to obviously the film so that was like i mean back 1989 ish as when you first saw it um when were you when were you up to what you were up to with um or or how different was it for you eddie um like were you with a big group of people or was it just you no, and a couple of other no, people We
2: might. i mean when a, a maximum we had about 50 of us because you know obviously i support support a small town team so um it was different but the the, the things they've got are of coming off of being on the train and being put pulling up at a in a different town and that, that they got that quite well but that that, that was all that was all it's the best it's ever done that's where all the other films in this genre have really failed when they've tried to do the fight scenes um and the tooled up stuff that that just wasn't like that back then at all you know not people carrying um big bits of metal and like uh, what do you call them um you know the things you apply metal open with uh, the, the so, so all that sort of stuff we, you know that was that was all different but the way it was kind of policed and the police not really not giving it a toss and basically telling you to F off back home and don't come here. And if you want to come here, then don't be surprised if you get, your, you know, if you get beaten up, you know, so that sort of side of it was quite, quite um, spot on, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Interesting. I think, Interesting.
0: It, I think uh, from what I can tell, it varied from police force to police force as well. It wouldn't, yeah. some, some some were a lot worse than others. Yeah, yeah. Newcastle
2: if you go to Newcastle, there was always this thing, if you're going to play Newcastle, just it'd be police in Sunderland, so they were always all quite all right there. Yeah? And if you went to Sunderland it was the police in Newcastle, so they'd be all right there. The coppers in the ground at Liverpool were fine, outside of the ground they were terrible. It was, um, but inside the ground they were fine. But the work by far and away the worst lot were the West Midlands always. And any any footballer fan will tell you the same thing. Terrible. Absolute. disastrous. <laughs>
1: I, say I, always, I always presumed <clears throat> that like football violence or you know groups of people who were determined to have fights with other with other teams uh, was always organised and, you know, we'll, we'll meet you here, we'll meet you there, we'll do it away from the police. And I think in ID, there was only maybe, uh, or in the book, should I say, there was only a couple of times where they'd physically arranged to meet another team and it was more... The, the well, I have these
2: kind of IDs, kind of pre mm-hmm. organized you know, it's, it's pre-mobile phones, and it's pre, um, it's pre-the dance culture thing. It was later on. It was once, it's once it moved out of grounds because CCTV, um, the seating after Hillsborough and all that. When it moved, when it, it all changed, because a lot of it used to, you know, back in the day, late 70s, 80s, it was virtually all in the ground. And it was after all that happened that it moved away. And then the mobile phones come in, job culture took over for a lot of people. And then that's when it started to become organised. So that's all. ID was just kind of before all that, really, which is why it's yeah, quite
1: it, Yeah, it seemed to be either, for instance, they was walking to the ground and happened upon a group of people or <laughs> at the train station where I suppose the the home fans would kind of know when those football day specials were coming in.
2: And yeah, and, that, and the, the police would walk you, and you know, so there was all, so there was all that. But uh, you know, back in the day, most of it was in the ground. You know, back in late seventies, okay. it happened. You'd go into their end, or they'd come into your end. So it was all about it taking places over. So, oh yeah. you know,
0: I always wondered, because it's basically an adult version of uh, when you're at school and you meet up with the the, the uh, enemy school for a fight, yeah. and you meet up in the in the most random place. I mean, it does happen with the football violence as well. you They'd meet up in the most random fucking place. And when you get there, you don't... You, well, when it's school, it wouldn't always end up in a fight. It would just end up shouting and bawling, whatever. But I always wondered so how did we get here somebody had to have a chat with the other other side and sit down and say well, where are we gonna there must have been a conversation we'll meet here yeah was, um, so, but, somebody knows somebody from the other side and they've had the conversation i'm gonna come over and beat you up yeah i'm gonna beat you up where we're we gonna meet we'll meet well, here uh, it was a bit different
2: it was a bit different back in the 70s late 70s and 80s because you travel you wouldn't wear any colors and the, the the thing to do back then was to go in, if you was at an away game, you'd go in in small numbers into the home end and then there'll come a point when you just let everybody know you were there. And then <laughs> <everyone kicked off. laughs> Yeah. so that's how, you know, that's, that's what would we, be back then. And nine times out of 10, it didn't quite work out. <laughs> yeah, it was well, always,
0: uh, you... always weird to me because I always th- thought that, Obviously there must have been two people that knew each other and had phone oh Dave, yeah, I'm all right, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna have a smash up the weekend, bossed each other up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll meet here. <laughs> oh well that was that, that used to
2: happen later on, but that was post that was postal me, And that's that did happen. People would ring each other up and they go, We're coming up, we'll meet you here, where's your boozer? Da da da. Will be coming, you know, and that's and that's that's the level it did get to for a lot of the big, you know, bigger fans. Madly, absolutely. I mean, there's no justification to it, isn't it? You can't you can't justify it. Can, it's incredibly futile and idiotic, but ultimately it was very exciting. That's why people used to
1: do it. Uh, before we move on to talk about the differences in the book and the film, uh, when Richie mentioned then about the school fights, um, uh, Eddie, your friend of mine, uh, Hal Cruttenden, uh yeah. always used to tell me this story of. Uh, the school that he used to go to, you say he um he used to go to school, uh Richard, just for your information, uh with uh, George Osborne. So that's the kind of school that he used to go to. And um uh, their local rival school, who always used to beat them up, had Hugh Grant in the same year. So imagine <laughs> imagine the school fights and you're getting beaten up by Hugh Grant. <laughs> he must have been like the worst. No one's
0: getting ever. beaten by Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Grant didn't even hear
0: about those fights. He never turned up. <laughs> not the
1: first,
0: but nevertheless, the <laughs> <laughs> I need it for later.
1: Yeah. Um, so I mean, one of the I mean, uh, reading the book, um, um, Eddie you know the, uh, uh, the person who gave me the book, uh, he brought, uh, Ad, uh, Adam Green, uh, formerly of hilarious comedy, uh, he brought me the book for Christmas a couple of years ago, and I'd read it. And I think um, they got lots, lots of things in the book were really accurate to the film and i think it's it's even more interesting because the film come out first uh like oh. especially like um as the um at the in the book it was chris i'm not sure what the sergeant's name was in the film but the way he was described it was like to a T. They'd gone out and got like the actors and like you could you could see them in the book as those people in the film if you know what i mean they they really got that i think spot on um I also think the guy he's kind of um, I I always saw um, Chris we'll call him Chris because that's what his name is in the book um, as a proper little jobs worth. and he says like who who looked at him and thought I know he'll be great as a football hooligan. Well, <laughs> it's
2: just, I, I yeah, but that's the that's the thing. I know in the film everyone looks like stereotypical, but the reality is um, that. Then they, they weren't. They come from all walks of life, and I've seen plenty of blokes who look like him, and they're usually the ones who are the proper loons. You know, they <laughs> look like they're not. He's not going to, but they—they're the ones who go, "Right, if that bloke's here. He knows what he's doing, and he ain't—he ain't—he ain't, he ain't, he ain't going to bottle it." You know, so they're the ones that used to be the scary ones, the ones. Of, yeah. So uh, it, 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 it
0: did. It did feel to me f- it was good casting actually. Tim- uh maybe because i came into the film too late I, I only saw it last night for the first time, but to me the book felt real to me i i i, I, I could it felt real the film especially the main the main character felt overacted i oh, don't, uh, I, I i didn't feel it was it didn't feel real i i didn't I, if, if he'd have been like that in reality. He'd have got so straight away. Nobody would have ever taken to him. I, I just, just no, that didn't. It didn't work for me. But, yeah, that, but that's I mean, me personally. No, I totally, I totally
2: agree with you, Richie. The pace of the film is because obviously they haven't to get into it so quickly. It's so stereotypical. It's so like, and you know, obviously <laughs> there's that for what he was doing. What he was doing, it really takes a long time to. Buy for people to buy into to you know gain trust with something like that you know so obviously because of the pace of the film how long the film is they just really had to chug it along and you look at it now and it's an incredibly I mean it's the best of the genre I think but mm-hmm. you look at it and it's it, it, it really is dated it's a very very dated and you know I'm not, you can't blame the actors for the acting but it's a, a very badly directed
0: so do you not like green street
2: no I'm, I'm not a fan of green street that was written by my brother uh he's not a, he's not a fan really of how it ended up but again the casting was wrong the fight scenes are wrong um people love green street it's gone it's massive but I think it's an awful film. I think
1: it's Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I think I think if you look at uh, like if you look at the films, like I mean, I, I think you could probably name three off the top of my head with like Scum, The Firm, and um and ID. They were kind of BBC style British made films, probably on a small budget. But what I would say is the actors in them, they were all good actors. There were lots and there were a lot and lot of good actors in
2: in all of those films. Well, uh, no, <clears throat> those films launched so many good scums, mm. scum's a great film uh uh it, a really really good film scum and, i think you know, i think
1: i think i think I think. maybe the difference say, between scum and uh id is that you always felt danger in scum it was mm. like every second of what is going to happen you know like you like you just the, the tension of what the fuck's going to happen next you mm. know i mean who's going to get uh, who's going to do this where in id it was like okay you know there was yeah, no, yeah. I don't think there was any like tension. or. But when you read the book, there was, there was a lot, you know what I mean? But I think most of it came from inside their own group. If you like, like his issues with, um, his issues with Chris, his issues with his girlfriend and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And I think, I think that's where, I think the book, re- like, as I said earlier on, I think the book really highlights the issues of, of, of the police. And especially when in the book, when they were talking about meeting the Manchester group, I think it was uh, Rory and and all the stuff they had that had the cars with all like you know with all the cameras and the microphones in and they had they had their own fake ids and their own backstories and all he had was a little business card with pattern and decorator on and it mm. was just like you know, you know the police weren't clearly weren't taking it seriously but putting their officers in massive danger mm.
0: I think if they were taking it serious, they wouldn't have put him in that position in the first place. He was twenty-two, and it wasn't until I heard that I thought, "Well, fuck me, he's definitely not old enough to be doing that job. He's definitely not had the experience." And there's no, there's no you know what? I mean, he, it was, he was the wrong age to. And I'm not saying he's a kid, but he wasn't fucking far off at twenty-two. And I just, well, you, you know, are dealing, you are dealing with some very, uh, the, the some of the
2: bigger clubs in particular, people. With, Um, who were very violent people. Like McIntyre did the documentary about the Chelsea headhunters, um, exposing them and their links to the far right. I I would imagine of all the stuff he's probably done, that's the one he wished he hadn't because the grief he's had off that since, and he can be anywhere if he bumps into any of those people and and it has happened to him, he's openly said, you know, this has caused me so much grief because he's really targeted by those people, even to this day, you know? And uh, so when you get to certain clubs because they have affiliations with other things, um, mm. such as Chelsea and that then uh, you're, you're talking a whole different can of worms there you know and it's uh, yeah it's a very dangerous world to go into I would imagine hmm are
0: there mm. a lot of these groups still going?
2: Um. Well, well on the football violence thing there's still there's still quite a bit of it around particularly at lower level not really in the Premier League Um, when you get down to the lower levels you're still it, it, it's nothing like it was back in the day but it still it still goes on you know there's still
1: I was talking to a, a customer, It's probably about a year ago now, I'd phoned, uh, I'm working within the pub industry, and uh, I'd phoned a landlord of a pub up, up in Shrewsbury, and he goes, oh, I can't talk to you at the minute, I've got the police with me, I go, okay, whatever, no problem. And then he phoned me back about half an hour later, and I was like, oh, like, everything okay, because, yeah, yeah, he said uh, I had to give evidence to the police because um, there was some, like, Shrewsbury football fans in here openly organising a fight with, like, it
2: was like wolves or something. Mm-hmm. and I was like, does that thing still happen? He's like, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, right. yeah. especially at that, that, that level down in them lower leagues, there's still quite a bit of it. And in, and in non league as well, it can be quite because they haven't got the same placing level, so you know. It, I you think can
0: I think it's because the football's really shit at that level, so they need to come up with something else to make it interesting. <laughs>
2: mate, I was Watford, there's football shit at the t-
1: that <laughs> every
2: level,
1: mate. I mean, to be fair, when uh, when Alvin John came in, I think he turned your fortunes around there, didn't he?
2: Well, that, that's, that's my era. I started going, my first game I ever went to was in 73, and then we was in the old second division, went down to the fourth, and then I followed Watford all the way from the tail years right through from '77 right up into Europe '84, and um, yeah, finished second in the in what was the first division, which is now the Premiership. Finished second, Premier and, yeah. <clears throat> I, I was that's lucky cool. enough to go right through all the divisions into Europe Cup So That was my kind that's, of uh, era. That's pretty cool.
1: That's pretty cool. Yes. Uh, so, um, so uh, uh, and let's back into the film uh, and the book, um. I think uh, one of the biggest uh, differences I noticed uh, in the film is that the four police officers were always together, whereas in the book it was him and Chris and then Jerry and Charlie did their own thing with what they called the targets. They were, you know, a different area, whereas in the film those four were always together. And I Mm. think when you read the book, if those four were always together, like, for real that would have got sussed with yeah yeah. Yeah. Within, yeah within seconds you know yeah within seconds and there was a lot of um and i think the question that chris kept on bringing up um to uh to jim or to james was you know you are a football hooligan and he was going no i'm just i'm doing the job of being an undercover football hooligan and but like did you get the sense of reading the book that he was like Enjoying it far too much, or that he was just—oh,
2: yeah—he definitely, definitely got pulled into it. Um, there's no doubt about it, and I think there's a certain element where he would have had to, you know, if of course, you're going of to something like that, there is a point where you're going to have to prove yourself, or you're not going to get accepted. So he would have had to, and once that door's open, it, it would have been very, very difficult for him to um, pull back from it. Yeah, uh, and and I think. You know, there is a buzz about that kind of thing. And if you're in the moment and you've got no choice or it's like, well, it's going to make your life easier to play, continue to play this game. I'm sure there are probably moments that have got quite a buzz off it, I would imagine.
1: I mean, I, uh, there was, there was, I'm gone, sorry, Trey.
0: I think, again, a lot of it was to do with his age as well, because he was so young. He was so easily influenced by that that scene and that thing, you know what I mean? Whereas the people around him, the other, the other undercover agents or whatever they are, they weren't so, I mean, they enjoyed it. They, they they enjoyed the games and they, they, they were, but they, they weren't as easily influenced and him like he was to the point where he, you could, you could tell from listening reading the book that he he was on a precipice. He was, he was on, on a line between do I, join this and leave my, my police work he, he, he wanted to be that the other guys that they, they still kept that element of focus as to why they were there and mm-hmm. I think it might have had something to do with that they, they were probably a bit older than he was
2: yeah experienced coppers they probably felt a, a, a you know the stuff they'd probably been through they'd had a buzz on different areas and different sort of areas of police work that they'd worked in but at that age being a young man, suddenly surrounded by other young men, going away, giving it the biggie, you know, getting pierced, being part of something. It's very, very easy to get pulled in. That's uh, that's one of the things we tried to highlight at the beginning because it's, 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 it, it is it's exciting or, you know, or it was exciting anyway back when I was younger. So, um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it would have been – it must have been walking a very, very tight line, but in a lot of the ways he'd have had to because – if it was kicking off and he was in the middle of it, he, people notice if you don't, if you don't get involved, that you, you get found out. You know?
1: And I think that was it. I think, I think that was explained away uh, very well um, within, I suppose it was earlier on in the film, a little bit later in the book with uh, the whole I can't read that, you know, when, the, you know, uh, he came up with the idea of saying, that I can't read. Well, why, will how'd you manage? Well, he does the reading and I do all the punching for him so they can go to the football together. And Chris mm-hmm. could take a step back and go and hide because he's not the fighter. And obviously yeah. then James can go on and like yeah. do the work of, of two people while, you know, Chris takes a step back in that, mm-hmm. uh, in that scenario. Um, it, but uh, I think that was another thing that made me laugh as well. When um, they were, they were giving their evidence to whether it be the, the, the chief commander or whoever. And uh, he said, Oh, um, James has told him he can't read all right. because well how'd you get into the police force? It's like fuck's sake, yeah, state yeah, yeah. of some old, you know. He's I mean? <laughs> like for fuck's sake, mate, <laughs> sort yourself yeah. out. But it also, yeah. but it also made me think, um, and th- 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 it was later on in the book where um, he got arrested, um, and like bashed up a bit in the um, in the back of the van and taken to the police station, and when he was being uh, when he was being put in front of the sergeant, at said, oh, what we stopped him and he tried to hit me and then he swore and he lashed out. And it's like the police are just making up what they wanted to make up as they went along. And I think, like, add to, say, for instance, the attitude to race as an example as well didn't really mm. put the police in a good light at that point. But you can see, well, if we don't, like... Non whites, and we don't like football hooligans. We're just going to treat them exactly the same, and we're mm. going to say what we want, and we're going to trump up any charges that we feel like. And and they, and like when you look now, some of those people who were working their way up are in charge now. You know what I mean? And it's just like so nothing's oh. going to change within the, nothing's going to change within the police force if no. the same no. people are still in charge.
2: Don't, don't get me started on the place, mate. <laughs> you know, you know, all day, uh, away from football with other things that are well documented about my past, about my political involvement, stuff that the police do. Oh, yes. You what? They all sorts of. Um, I didn't even stories.
1: get. I, oh, sorry. Right. Because I didn't even get right. I left it at the 700,000 copy sold. I didn't even get to the best bit, which I had to talk to you about. Um, Where is it on here? Um, Here we go. Eddie is a keen animal lover and played a lead part in the national anti-hunting campaign for whom he held the joint position of press officer for a brief spell. Mm -hmm. This led to him being under surveillance by MI5 and his subsequent arrest at gunpoint on suspicion of terrorism. Right, Eddie? Talk talk us through your surveillance well, by MI5. Yeah. Fuck's sake! Well, Do you have like one, James Bond in uh, outside your house?
2: Uh, yeah, you like an episode I of *Spooks*. No, no seriously, <laughs> it was, um, it, it was a back in. This was all back in '93. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on. I was very politically active. My particular thing was the animal rights movement, particularly fox hunting, and um, and yeah, we come under surveillance by MI5, and then I got arrested at gunpoint. They come through the front door at six in the morning arrested me and my girlfriend uh, on suspicion of planting two explosive packages in Windsor. And the second they came Jeez. through the door, they then I didn't do it, right? And then um we I was in the, was in the car yeah, just, just, right? but I was in a car going to Windsor with a copper each side of me and they were telling me every detail about my life, my friends, my family, phone calls I'd had with people, I'm sitting there listening to this thinking and obviously not saying anything and then all of a sudden it realized all oh, them people i thought i recognized that i kept saying i'm sure i know that bloke i'm sure i know that fella these are the people who had me under surveillance for six for six months and it carried on afterwards and i could i, I could go on for ages but yeah of course. They, uh, they continually arrested me because that those charges they did it's a long story they'd obviously been told to come through the door before they had the right evidence. Or, or has this
0: been monitored? Should I have my VPN on?
2: <laughs> but um they then kept arresting me and in, in and on um, and I got taken to um, I ended up in Bow Street magistrates on a very serious charge. And uh, the the evidence that the police gave and the description of me, I couldn't have described me as well as free coppers described me. and then they made up this whole story and then amazingly produced some evidence which proved that i wasn't even there and that's and then the next day i'm saying my solicitors saying because we had to go back the second day and i had accused that i was having to defend myself because i'd used up all my um or my uh, legal, aid, legal aid, and I'm in, I'm in the both states magistrate, and I got up, and the first, my mate had a barrister, the first thing I said, I just want to remind the police officer that he's under oath, and the judge went fucking mental. <laughs> the <mate's laughs> barrister just put his head in his hands, said, how dare you come into my court, and I tell a police officer how to give evidence, how dare you, and I, I thought I was going, to, this was a very serious charge, um, I thought, well, I'm going away for a long time here. I've got no chance. So I just looked at judge and I went, I'm telling that because he's lying. And again, my, my <laughs> mate's barrister went, <swearing. laughs> oh I can't go. And, um, and then the next day, right, they brought in this evidence, proved it was wrong. Whilst we were downstairs with my mate's barrister and the police's, uh, uh, the um, prosecution. It came out and my mate's barrister goes, well, this is all lies. And I, we went, well, we told you it was free of us. And we told you it was lies. And the conference <laughs> turned to me and he went, we'll get you someday, Ed, on something. And they all left. And my so main barrister know. said, we're going to sue the arse out of these. We come in the next day. And the like, evidence has come to light. There's no um, evidence for a prosecution. And then the judge looked straight at me and went, I don't believe for one minute police officers sit in a room to concoct evidence to gain a conviction. Case dismissed. And then I said to my best we're gonna we got video evidence here. We, we and we went to get the video evidence all been destroyed. Oh all shock all right. Yeah, all so, all right. so it ended up with just nothing. And it was a very see, I could you know, it was a big chance. But I was but because it was animal rights, you're dealing with the establishment, you're dealing it's particularly fox hunting, landowners, gentry, royal family, people right at the very top of the pyramid. Mm. They come down kind of, heavily.
1: Was that at the same time as? I, I, but um, sorry, Phil, I need to
0: stop you right oh. there, just in case we have been watched. I just want people, I, I'm absolutely <laughs> fine with fox something. Carry on. I'm, 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 you do what you got to do.
1: Yeah. And it, gem, was, it, of it was. Uh, it was a long time ago uh, that it came out. Uh, the, the police that had been like undercover with with it, whether it was animal rights or um, no, eco protesters, them, them.
2: You, uh, and, that, that's and right.
1: they got like. Yeah, and they started having sexual relationships and yeah, they've got that was, women that was pregnant and
2: stuff. That was at the same time because we had um, we had a big AGM in Nottingham and uh, everyone started infighting. And certainly when you look back on it you, afterwards, you realised we'd been infiltrated quite massively by the same sort of thing with this, right? And they infiltrated because you all of a sudden you realise there's people within us who are giving all the information because they know we're here, we're there. And it was at that time where that officer... With the Nottingham branch, who were massive within the anti-hunt movement, that's when that officer was, had a kid with a woman. Uh, and they all come out. So exactly the same time. That's when that was all going on. Yeah. It was an interesting time. This podcast oh, just oh, taken a, a complete different
1: turn there. It was about it was about Sorry, a bro. fiction or, or a, a non-fiction book has just turned out to all coppers are bastards, but we all knew that already, didn't we? So, you know, there's nothing <laughs> new there. But very interesting, mm-hmm. though, Eddie. Very interesting indeed. I think I think one of the other differences um, from the book and the film is that he never met anyone who was like at the top kind of thing. That that was the whole that was his whole thing: getting with the group, find out who were the people who were running the top end. And in the film, he meets the I um, think Marcus in the pub, and he goes, oh, he wants yeah. to go and see you, and he just and he's like, you know, football violence, it's for the idiots. I'm I'm all about drugs and this that the other and that never went and that never went anywhere in the film it was like you know a 30 second clip of him meeting this supposed top chap but in the book he never met anyone until i think until they sustained jerry and charlie were old Bill because Mm. they were driving because they were driving rain in an old police van with police written on the side (laughs)
2: Anything <laughs> for fuck's sake what the fuck are you doing
1: yeah, yeah well there you go
2: got the cleverest tools in the box there, yeah. no
1: no but that, but that, i think i but i think that was the thing though wasn't it because when <clears throat> when he was talking about meeting the manchester police they had that they literally they were mi5 they had everything they needed and then you've got these four embedded in millwall and they're driving around in a police van with police yeah. written on the side and you're like, for fuck's sake! How the fucking out. Did you even, even survive? How did you survive? Oh, obviously, one of the other differences, of course, is in the film. It gets cut; like they get cut at the end of the season, where there's they they have two seasons mm. in in the book. You're like they're there for two years. Um, well, I think. I mean, really, I think looking at it, they were really the only standout differences. Because I mean, it was. In some parts, it was word for word. I think
2: as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty true. A lot of it was pretty true. They did, they did sort of. He must have had some input into making sure that they made it as um and made it as close to the book as possible to give it some realization. It's just obviously there's with a the film, it's just it's just got to ramp up the well. The directors have got to have their have their say and what they think it is, and they try and glamorize it or try and make it stereotypical, mm-hmm. are not they? So. Yeah. Well, I
1: mean, I know you said that, but I think I think the book did come out afterwards as well. I think so that's one of the so it's I don't know whether like obviously he's he's wrote down what he thought, you know, like he's wrote Mm -hmm. down his experience. And then obviously in the book later on it it kind of marries up very much Mm -hmm. word for word what happened, Mm -hmm. which is unusual really for especially for you know a an actual like if you take any like a, a dramatization as an example you know oh. there's always like you know there's always license for the director or the producer to just go well we'll just do this we'll just
2: do because no, we know what i'm sorry what now. i mean what i mean by that is the bits that were cut the bits that you know the, mm-hmm. the, the actual, the makeup of the firm and we got like one of these we've got to have one of that we've got to have someone yeah office, of course and you know, that's where it that's where it lets down and that's yeah. the only real major differences from the book it takes you know it, it It does obviously, the book's far more in depth from obviously real and true, totally true to life. Is his encounter with it, but it's that's what I meant by the director's license that when they just have their own perception of what it is rather than actually. I'm sure if he'd have sat there all the way through and went, Well, you don't need a fire eater, do you know what I mean?
0: (laughs)
1: When I saw that, I was like, "What on earth is this Mulan?" I mean, maybe it's true. Maybe,
0: maybe there was a fire eater in the pub. Everybody knows. Everybody knows (laughs) a fucking clown. It's usually me and (laughs) my pub. that's very true.
1: Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) Um, uh, 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 Where did gumbo come from? Like, just as a as an idea, as a character, it just it it didn't seem to it didn't seem to work. Like it. It fit in very well, but like mm. it didn't make like, like when you read the book, you are like where, where have they got a Where's it gone? Where's
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, there were there's, there's some far worse characters down at Millwall at that stage back then. <laughs> they used to go dressed up as surgeons in the surgeons' masks and the surgeons all in one gear, and then the people were going to butchers' coats and all that sort of stuff. It was very very okay. strange, thing. very strange club Millwall back then.
0: The funny thing is, I I actually think Gumbo might have been a real character that didn't make it in the book afterwards, because he felt to me like um, one of the most real characters in in the film.
2: Possibly. There's always someone who's the target of everybody's, um, who wants to belong, who's the target of everybody's sort of uh, ribbing, but they'll always look after because it's part of it, but there's always one. and You do get some weird people to follow football, there's no doubt about that.
1: I think uh, I think I think Lee Ross done a really good job actually um, as Gumba because he he, uh, he reprised the role as well, didn't he in ID Two? Uh, if you've ever saw ID Two no, before, no, uh, I think I watched, one. Yeah, well, no, yeah, but like thirty years later, um, I watched about twenty five minutes and I was like, oh, I can't. Have you ever seen Green actually? Street? Two? Yeah, yeah. Well, we were just talked about it before you joined. Yeah, uh, Green, Green Street two
2: has to be Green Street Two has to be the worst mm-hmm. film that I've ever seen in my life. It's just (laughs) incredibly bad, incredibly bad. I have seen Green
1: Street. I've seen Green Street through Green Street 2 once. um, And, yeah, I wouldn't watch it again. I know they did a a third one with Scott Atkins. uh, And as much as I love Scott Atkins, uh, I I think he's brilliant. I'm not watching that film because I don't want to watch him in a really bad film.
2: it's funny I haven't seen Green Street 3 I
0: think no they've done a third. Yeah I, I think a
1: third. Yeah so um, I think yeah, so yeah. I think I think I think the premise is Scott Atkins is like um like a former top boy done well for himself and then he finds out his brother was like killed in a you know hooligan fight or whatever I'm not quite sure and then he comes back um oh. to you know sort out Whatever, but I'm just like, mm, no, I think. I mean, um, uh, what did you think? Uh, what, what we're talking about, um, football, uh, violence films, what did you think of, um, the football factory?
2: Uh, again, parts of it are really good. Um, it's, it's not a bad film, but it's again, there's just some scenes you know, you just think, oh, why did you put that in the scene where they're watching their kids play football, staring at each other across? The, it's just like, yeah, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Well, yeah, I think it's, it's I things think like just things like that. Let's, let's, still, let stuff okay. it just let a, let a for me that's it just lets a film down but it's a good film because it's because it's not just about that it's a bit more in-depth about the drug taking and the, and how you get pulled in and all that sort of stuff so it's, it's a better film i think trouble Factory well is i
1: suppose better. that's what you were i suppose that's what you were saying earlier on about about the differences for for Say pre-mobile phones uh, and mm. you know crowd, vo- you know violence in the stand to mobile phones being able to meet up and mm. you know the uh, the 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 generation gap of of football violence, I suppose.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it sort of brought it all up to date, without a doubt. So uh, it covered all that aspects of how organised it was. Mm-hmm. But again, the, the, the thing again that lets it down is a. Uh, you know, the fight scenes and all that. You don't have to have thousands of people to have a realistic fight scene about football. You can do it with very, very few people, and make it very, very graphic and and real. You know, because a lot of the time that's what it's actually like. You turn the corner, and there's like fifteen of you, and you just do to turn the corner and walk into fifteen other blokes, and it's like, oh god, here we go. This is this ain't going to be. Good. <laughs> and you know, and that, and when you walk into it, it's very easy with. with Clubs like West Ham and Millwall and Chelsea, you've got thousands of people. But it's when you go at somewhere like Orient and there's 10 of them, but there's 10 blokes who really, really want to have a fight, you know, rather than a thousand people, where probably, you know, a handful of them, you know, 50 of them one fight out of a thousand because most of them are hangers on, you know, so it's very different. So you can make it, but the fight scenes are integral to these movies and they don't really ever sit or nail it, in my opinion. Mm. It's That's act, actual
0: scenes, didn't they? Um, in the film, you could tell it was actual footage from the from uh, actual, uh, like uh, CCTV from back in the day. In ID, I, th- I think. Well, or, or maybe it was. There were
2: a couple of good long shots of crowds sort of surging and all that. But yeah, and, and they they did the crowd scenes pretty well in ID, which is. Uh, the, the, when they because they did have big numbers on the to do all the singing and all that sort of stuff, so they were quite good. But the fight scenes were pretty, um, uh, pretty pony. But they're probably the best ones of all of them. It was
0: the uh, surveillance footage that they used in the uh, in 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 the police station. that I think might have been near the start, and uh, you could see some of the no, fights that actually happened. That wasn't. Didn't no no. There was the, was the
1: doctor. Dr. Truman was in those f- yeah, yeah.
3: footage.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he was in that footage. They obviously I don't know. filmed some of it, some of it at, at games, like where they're walking him around the pitch and he's getting pulled out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. they are obviously gone, We're yeah. going to film something. Some, uh, if you want to see, him, this is going to have gone over. It. And, and so that all looks quite real, where they're walking him around the pitch and people are chucking stuff at him. Because uh, that, that's all quite the fun. They, mm. they, they,
0: so, uh, um, question. Is, what, oh, sorry, um, the, just, just a quick question, because um, I haven't made it to the end of the book yet, because I've been lazy this time. I usually use Audible, so when I'm at work and do my thing, I can listen to it all day, and I can do a book within a couple of days. But this wasn't on Audible, so I've had to, for the first time, and God knows how long, read a book. It's not my thing. Um mm. So I've got most of the way through. Now, at the end of the film... It, it's the whole uh, white supremacist movement, and he's in there getting the old big Z car thing, mm-hmm. and his old sergeant comes over, what the fuck are you doing, blah, blah, and he says, I'm, I'm in the middle of a job, and then you just see him yeah. standing there on his own, getting the old Z car, and he's like, I, and, it, and I, I was left wondering, okay, so was he on a job, or was he not, what the fuck's going on? So uh, does the book elaborate any more on that? Uh, that doesn't happen. No, that's just an oh, add-on. That's that's just that's just the
1: way to end the film. Yeah,
0: didn't yeah. end it very well. If I'm no, he didn't. He just, no, it didn't it just left me with questions that I, that didn't need asking because it probably didn't happen.
2: Yeah, I and mean, it also it takes does. away quite a bit from the actual book because it's like that just didn't happen. You know, so
0: that mm. takes away from that's, paint, think, that's also painting the the author in a really bad fucking light yeah, yeah, as totally,
2: well. Totally, totally. So, so it's, it's a real. That's the biggest um bar that dropped away from the from the book and between the book and the film. Yeah.
1: Wow. I, I, so, I think. I think. Well, I think. I think. Well, there's a couple of things you can take from that. Obviously, the book wasn't out first. It was the film done first. So, I suppose. But I even walk, so,
0: him, he had to put his hey, seal of approval on that and to to have him. Yeah. Uh, Mm. yeah but well, uh, not necessarily It
2: well. might not I've had yeah, that once much once you've of sold stuff, it they yeah. have right to do all sorts I mean I know that happened quite a bit with Green Street um, that once the story you've necessarily put in front or they buy the rights off you can change dramatically once the director gets wow. on
0: wow yeah. I'd have been well, pissed quite- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been well, so fucking angry oh, yeah. well, oh, listen-
2: oh. <laughs> I would have looked because at the bank like, balance and have
1: been a little bit yeah. less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Cause I think I think in the because, like if you like like Richard did maybe read the book before you watch the film, in the book, he 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 clearly would need at least a year off of doing nothing to get his head back to because you know, like twenty pints a day and six full Englishes a day for two years was not you know, plus beating people up was not really like a lifestyle that you could Carry on, and I'm sure that if at the end of that, at at the end of the operation, if it went right, we've got a new one for you and it's infiltrating the NF, go on, off you go. He was clearly not mentally stable enough to do anything like that. So, well, you could argue that he
0: was just in the right frame of mind to do it, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, but but,
1: but, yeah, exactly. But I mean, I suppose for the film, they needed an end, and the end that in because the end of the book was he had a meeting with a I, again i think it was rory from the manchester depot oh no it wasn't it was um was it mi was it was it mi5 or security services who wanted him to go they wanted him, they wanted him to go and work for them and uh, mm-hmm. he turned down the barbados job and then um he was having a meeting um and uh, he said well, what and james said to the the guy what do you think i should do he said if i was you i'd walk away just quit the force and just go and do whatever you want to do. Because if you can do what you're doing now, you can do whatever you want to do. And then a week later, he handed his notice in and he left. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I think he's like he obviously took acting lessons, wrote the screenplay, uh, and uh, started his own airline. Did you ever ask him about the airline, Ed? No, because that's I didn't. one question I want to know. <laughs> he just started well, his own yeah. airline. His own, how the yeah. fuck did you do that? <laughs> just yeah. one day going that way. So do we, we know what it was week? called? No. Uh, no uh, well, well, well. I think I think he said in the book. He said uh, he said uh, the margins are really small but really profitable. But I almost lost everything, so don't do it. So yeah. Well, I'm yeah, just going to go and buy a Boeing. Yeah, I'm going to buy a yeah. Boeing, and I'll fly it to Ibiza during the summer. Why not? Uh, no. So that's how he ended up uh, in yeah. real life.
0: <clears throat> I don't need to finish the book now, then, do I? No.
2: No. Don't no worry about it. No. <laughs>
1: no. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he uh, he did say um he did say that uh, he never spoke to well. He he only ever spoke to Chris once uh, after that, and that was at the um the lady's funeral, who was looking after their office. Angie, look, she, Angie. Yeah, so she died, um and then he said hello or whatever, and that was it. He never spoke to him after that since. Yeah, really, no he did say. Well, I can see their relationship was very fractious from mm. from the start. You know, I suppose. I suppose Chris being what I could just class as a job's worth, a a Mm copper's copper, you know, just a proper little job's worth, not liking James really and what James was doing, even though James was doing police work, just not Mm -hmm. the way he wanted him to do it. Um, He did say say he'd been down to a few games and all that, hadn't he? He'd he'd gone down to games and bumped into a couple of people, um, which I thought was really fucking brave like yeah. what the fuck you know would you what the fuck would you do that
2: you'd still there'll be some i would imagine who were like quite proud of like being able to go there mates that was me that was me that's based on me that's based on me and kind of like that kind of notoriety i suppose so yeah the thing with him going, you know, the license in the film where he go, then goes into that area of the far right, uh, it just wouldn't have happened anyway because there could have well have been a bit of a crossover with people who he was certain uh, who fooled at football because he'd probably come across a few of the new faces, you know. Yeah, of course, of, sure. particularly yeah. Particularly with Millwall. Mm-hmm. Most of
0: it, you know? So, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, you would have got a lot of white suprem- supremacists in the uh, football hooligan type of uh, environment. I'm sure, I'm sure you. Probably came across them
1: mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to ask going to ask you both uh, what your favourite parts of the film were <clears throat> uh, before we move on to uh, Eddie's uh, book. Uh, but there's one there's one scene that I've just remembered that I can remember watching back then, like back in the day on VHS. Uh, that wasn't in the Amazon Prime movie or the new movie. Is when he sits in his house with a bowl of cornflakes and throws a load of cocaine over it.
0: And oh, just I've been there. On the... We've all done it. I
2: watched, it. Yeah, I, I watched <laughs> that. I watched it again a, a couple of days ago and that scene was in it. No, oh, was it? Yeah, 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 that scene was Oh, in
1: it. Well, I just must not have been paying attention at the time. I remember him sitting no, down with a big rapper just, rah! yeah, <laughs> corn oh. cocaine on the cornflake.
0: Yeah, um, I watched it. It was in it last night when I watched it. I, I oh, watched what? it. It was in there. I in oh, I just must
1: oh out. with the tv that's broken he's sitting looking at the smashed tv yeah. i must yeah. have turned away for a second yeah. i just must yeah. have done yeah. but How richie um true. richie what's your what what was your what was your favorite scene and what was your kind of takeaway scene from the film
0: oh i like the scene where he's fucking his missus up the wall that's my favorite scene <laughs>
1: <laughs> i knew he was gonna
0: say that <laughs> i knew
1: it <laughs> and is that your takeaway no. scene as well
0: it was on yeah. the night
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: eddie what was your
1: favorite part of the film
2: um i like the bits on the train because that ball, and, and coming off the train and uh and they'll be in there pulling up that brought back a lot of memories but also i think the first time he walks in the boozer and it's full on and there and he gets cropped, and yeah because that brings back a few memories when you are in the wrong breeze I and mean, everyone's looking at you just go oh for fuck's sake so i just bought that happened it's really made me laugh
1: yeah, i've been there a few um, times. The, i think i think the one the one scene that's uh that uh, sticks with me and it was um it was a little bit different in the book uh but when they're i think it must have been like a Mills, uh, middlesbrough or newcastle match when they were getting pouted um, with like bricks and all that, and then Gumbo gets a dart in his head and <laughs> he just appears <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> he's dart in his head. And I just thought, like, I mean, I mean, was, was that the kind of thing that would happen, uh, Eddie?
2: Uh, yeah, Gumbo, there's, there's a really famous photograph of um uh, at Swansea Cardiff and a guy's got this, he, the guy's got a dart hanging out of his face and being led away by a copper, but while he's walking away he's beaming smiling yeah um, they, that used to be a big thing i got down to a recording once hit me in the ice i used to get all that but golf balls with stuff stuck in and throwing yeah, yeah. And all sorts of,
0: yeah. in all seriousness though my favorite scene would probably be Well, i think them is the i can't remember what game it was but the, they, they end up in the uh the opposite team's crowd and uh <laughs> yeah. they just start singing the the Millwall chants and everything, and, uh, and like I say, he ends up on the pitch being jagged off, and you got that scene with him like on someone's shoulder. That, that, <laughs> that for, for me, that was my favorite part of the film, my, my, my main takeaway. Mm. Everything else quite seemed forgettable, to be honest. Mm. I, did like, uh, I, think, mm.
1: I think, I think, I think one of my laugh out loud bits was when they ended up in the uh in the pharmacy hiding, and they've all got the yeah. and they've all got the hairspray, and then uh, the bloke goes, uh. I think they've gone now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, doesn't say it in the film, but he does in the book. He's like, with what what the fuck were we gonna do with this hairspray if I did turn turn up? Suppose it's one of um, them. You just panic, don't you?
1: I think that was, uh, I think that was in the same like match scene uh, segment of the film where um, Chris legs it and he jumps on the bus. And then it gets yeah. battered by the woman yeah. <laughs> with this shopping.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out like you are prompting a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was quite good, actually. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so all in all, and I'm sure now, normally this is where we ask which you preferred, whether you preferred the book or the film. Uh, Richie, what is your what 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 is your a, verdict? Do you prefer the book or the
0: film? It's a no, it's a no-brain, and I think anybody who's done both, will, 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 everybody will say the same thing. Next, the book by a country mile. Hmm. I, don't, I might be wrong though.
2: <laughs> no, I totally agree. I think you have to understand uh, uh, that uh, the film of when the film was made and how long ago it was made, and it was quite, quite sort of. A groundbreaking film on that side of things, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, the books, books are like this, like on another planet level compared to the film, books so much better.
1: I've saw on uh, IMDb that there's uh, room. Well, there's rumours of uh, a Running with the Firm film to be made. Uh, it's showing up on IMDb at least what? in well, in the idea phase.
2: Well, those films make a lot of money. They they hang around for a long time. They're constantly being played on um, on uh, sort of Sky channels and stuff like that. They make a lot of money, I and mean, they can be quite. Cheap I need money. to
0: get people like yourself. There more people like yourself and people who have been there, seeing it as consultants, so as they can make it, make it properly, rather than it being just another hooligan. one of those fucking uh, football hooligan films that's wow. it, which has become quite, kind of generic now. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: well, that, <clears throat> well, that is a perfect segue into uh, our guest, Eddie Brimson. Uh, we're talking about your, we'll say book, or you say novella. So, can we say novella, uh, "Naughty Boy"? Um, mm-hmm. Can you can you just talk us through um, first of all how the book became?
2: A, well, the, the book, book it's, the book became because um, in two thousand and twelve. I was approached to write a, a football violence film by Lionsgate. And uh, well, my mate, mine Joe, was the director, they wanted to, he uh, was his first AD, they wanted him to direct his first film. And I said to him, look, I'll write this, but I don't want to write another tear-me-up tear film. I don't want to do Green Street 3. I don't want to do that. That's, that's a definite no And they were like, yeah, 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 we don't want that. And then the first screenplay I wrote, that it was much more about nature nurture them and us, how society moulds you, and football violence, or violence was the main character's thing, but it, it, it sort of manifested itself at football. But there were ma- many reasons, very complex character. I wrote that, I took it in the Lionsgate, and they said, yeah, it's a bit too arthouse. This is, this is too arthouse. And so I tucked that one away. I wrote three or four more versions of the script, and in the end, we got to a point where I remember being in a meeting and he goes, um, we've had a word with Kaz from marketing and she really thinks that we need a bit of a love interest in here. And I just went, Does she now. Well, can we get Kaz in here? Cause she's a fucking genius. She's telling <laughs> the creative people to make the film, to make it easier for her to market. Why don't we get an Area in and write the film? And that was, I wrote a final script for them. They did want Green Street free I wrote a final one. They didn't offer, we, we needed just over a million quid to make it. They offered us half of it and they wanted someone else to fund the rest of it, but Lionsgate wanted main billing and you just can't get that. And Joe pulled in so many favours with with uh, actors. We had a whole cast lined up, really good British cast. Um, and, then, uh, and then they asked if they could buy the script. And because I was quite a surprisingly loyal fella, I wouldn't do that because that would have cut Joe out. So I left it and then after a few years I was going back, I thought I need something to do. Oh, I'll have a look at the scripts I've written and I've got the scripts out and I thought, I'll turn that into a book. And The process of going from screenplay to book, it's not the way to do it.
3: It's really (laughs) not the
2: way to do it. It's really arse about face because it's it's a mammoth, mammoth task. And then halfway through doing the book, I decided I might try and do it at play, as a play at Edinburgh, because when I go to Edinburgh, I like to do something different. I do very different stand-up at Edinburgh, and I thought, I'll do this, I'll get some actors to do this. Actors are notoriously flaky, so I thought, I'll get some comics to do it. Comics are notoriously flaky, so in the end, (laughs) I'll have to do this myself. So I decided to do it myself, then turned it into a one-man play for an hour and that changed the narrative of the original book. And then, when I came back from Edinburgh, because it went very well in Edinburgh, I decided to really condense the book, get the book down. And that's why it's now a novella because mm-hmm. I didn't want any padding. It had to be bang, bang, bang. Every word so it had to count. Mm-hmm. So that's how we arrived at, at, at that, at the book. So. so, can you give us can you give us a brief
1: overview of what the book is about?
2: The books about nature right the 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 premise at the beginning for the book was everybody seems to have an excuse for their behavior right no matter what they do everyone's like this happened to me or or or, i've got this i've got that some people are just bad people some people are there has to be an acceptance and some people are just violent some people are just nasty people and the, the character in this in this thing he's a very violent man but there's a lot it's very complex yeah joe is the main is the character in it very violent man he starts in an institution then we go on his hedonistic weekend where sex drugs and violence football violence and then it's really chilling conclusion at the end and then we come back to the institution and it leaves them without you're not sure whether he's there working or whether he's there as a patient so, so oh, it, leaves it, it leaves it like that. So, um, yeah, I like and, right. uh, So, that's well, the guy. But he drops all in the book, he drops all these bombs about stuff that happened when he was a kid, and this happened, and this was my upbringing, and da 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 da. But when it comes to the conclusion at the end, it goes back on all those things. And it's just like, the shit you people leave, you know, I'm just, I'm just, these are all little. I don't really want to give it away, but these
1: are all. No, 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 fun. don't, no, 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 it's, no just don't.
2: Just about and, uh, uh, I think in a different path, and in yeah. the end, just suppose some of us are just cunts. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, I think,
1: I think, uh, I think, I think we can leave Richie out here for a second because I don't think Richie's uh, managed to get through the book just yet because he didn't get through Running with the Firm. But um, <clears throat> what uh, what what I took from Joe, uh, first of all, I thought he was because obviously he starts off and whether he's a cook or he's just a server in this, what I can gather is like a mental hospital maybe. Uh, Mm. But he seems very self-aware. He seems very intelligent. Uh, And he, you know, he knows what he's doing kind of thing. So, So what I was trying to picture was a guy who, and I'm not saying it's a dead end job, but for a guy who's serving fish to mentally ill people, Um, But he's really, you know, how has he got to this point? I didn't quite understand. It's like, what is he doing in this job? If he's so self-aware and he's so intelligent, because you can see it, then what is the issue? And when you look, look, like you're saying about what happened in the past, what happened in the past, it seemed he had quite a, 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 spoiler alert, he seemed to have quite a good upbringing as far as I was reading it. So it was like, it was like, where is this, you know, but it's a really good, uh, and like I said, it's very snappy. It's very straight to the point. You can follow it very easily. were the which elements of the book came from the film, if you know what I mean? So when you wrote the script, which, which bits of the script survived the book? I mean, I was looking at maybe uh, the fight in the chip shop. Uh, obviously, the couple of, um, like some maybe towards the end, um, and, like, you know, the bits where he went away with the, with the, um, with the guys at the football, uh, because right. that was kind of, because if you, like, if you didn't know you and your writing background, you wouldn't have put, that together if you know what i mean like yeah. i was i think i was maybe expecting a little bit more of that rather than what i got but what i got was probably even better if you know what i mean it was a really really good journey and i was trying to figure the guy out all the way along <clears throat>
2: no, well, that's, that's very kind of to say the bits um the the bits with the football the bits of the, about i mean this is it's a very very different from the original screenplay in the way it sets the scene about his family and life, but the whole the whole ethos of him coming from a good background, uh, the stuff about how he was treated as a kid, but it's a lot about the political side of how he believes he's moulded by society, but it's not what you it's not what you want what they want. He's got his own mind, and so that's a thread all the way through. The, was a thread all the way through the original. Uh, film and then it does come back to this conclusion what happens in the tube station and then it does it does actually start in the institution and come back to the institution in the original screenplay so um so yeah that side of it but i I just had to cut out so much chaff um from uh, if if anyone listening to this is into writing Best book I've ever read on writing is is is, is uh, George Orwell. George Orwell's got a book called Why I Write, and it's about his writing <laughs> process. And it's that every single word has to have uh, has to be there for a reason. Every word, and that's about. And so that's why I think the novella. If I cut it down to a novella. I could have padded it out easy. There's loads that I could have done. There's loads of scenes at football I could have put in. There's loads more about family and relationships I could have put in, but I, di- I didn't want any of that. I just wanted to be bang, 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 and uh, yeah. So from from that side of it, um, I just really condensed it all down for the book and uh, and for the play. But hopefully, you know, someone might pick up on it eventually and go, "This is a much more interesting story." But it's it's got that element of football in it. You know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of bored of the football because it is it's all the same.
1: Revenge. Uh, someone got killed. Someone, you know, I all just crap. It's, it's, uh, it's been done. The one bit, uh, the one bit that um, kind of pricked my ears up a
0: little bit was
1: uh, Iffy. Yeah. Now Iffy uh, was called Iffy for a reason, and if I remember correctly, uh, mm. you do a bit in your stand-up about when you're in Bangkok, and I think uh, the bit uh, that I remember was when the joke you tell is about when you're reading the menu. Oh, <laughs> eh. oh, that's yeah, yeah, that's and i don't know it's whether i don't know whether um i don't know whether like your experience in bangkok was kind of iffy if you know
2: no no not not that not,
1: not not actual experience but like like you know, oh, i've got a mate called
2: iffy chris and, and i've got and he's iffy for a reason and um and i've got also got other mates who've been out to that part of the world quite a few times and that's amalgamation of two or three mates, stuff that's happened to them that comes to that story. They've, they've been well, actually a um, mate who was in exactly that position and then did come <laughs> up and tell us. And it's like, mate, why did you tell us that? You're never going to live that day. So, so that, yeah. so, yeah. so not to, not a, true, uh, right a lot right. of true in, the, in the book. There's a lot of true stories of, yeah. you know, stuff drawn not in to, from all sorts of mm-hmm.
1: Not to leave Richie out of that, um, the, uh, the bit in the book uh, with Ify, Richie. Was uh, no, the uh, the uh, well, uh, Eddie, do you want to tell it because you wrote the bloody book?
2: <laughs> I've got a Chris, and it's called Iffy because he goes, he when he was younger, he went out to Bangkok to find himself, right? But he basically fucked off so other people couldn't find him. And then one night, whilst partaking in some oral stimulation, he sits up to go for a cheeky little stroke at a horse's nose, only to find the horse he was with turned out to be quite a big part filly, yeah? So that's <laughs> and then he went back, let go. And she stuck a finger off his bum, and he just thought, "I've paid for it. I might as well carry on." <laughs> what,
0: to be honest, if, it's one of them. If I was in, if I was in uh, you I'd have, yeah, winning roll. Yeah, just have a go, don't you? You might as well. well.
2: That's the that's the story. There's a there's a fair bit of dark humour in the book. I think so, I need to check. No, that it out. Is it, yeah, is it unaudible?
0: I
1: mean, <laughs> um How did you? um no, no, But uh, no, but what I, I mean, it's only uh, it's only about 104 pages, isn't it, Eddie? So you know, you can it's you 20, can read really...
2: 27,000 words. It is that's quite. Yeah. Simple. So
1: you know, yeah. I mean, I think I probably read it in maybe well, like two or three sitting. So it's and it's because it is a really good read. You you do go all the way. You know, it's you just carry on. It's very very snappy, uh, which is really good. um when you're doing the play. Um, is mm-hmm. it different at all? Because now, obviously, you're a stand-up comedian, and obviously, you do Edinburgh show, So you've got to do a 55. You, you have to remember 55 minutes in your head. Um, yeah. But is it is it kind of like scene for scene, word for word in the play? Have you just adapted yeah, it? And it you just...
2: Yeah, but obviously, the play, the book, the, the, the play. So this is our word. The play is just about ten thousand words. The book's twenty-seven thousand words. So again, the play is really condensed down. But yeah, it's just 55 minutes of dialogue and I've taken a really sort of pivotal to get the story in the play, right? So that it's the same thread of just had to take really pivotal scenes. And that was quite hard doing that because there's a lot, it's like any writing process. You've got a really good idea and you want to get it in, but sometimes you just have to go, I can't, it's not going to fit.
0: So do you find that doing it that way, you end up losing a bit of substance that you like to have kept in, but you couldn't. Yeah, there's a few bits that I'd like to have kept in. If I I do the play now
2: as an hour, but if if need be, I could easily do it to an hour and a half or an hour and so probably an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty, and put other bits in. But it's still the the backbone of the story. Is uh, I, I managed to keep into the play, so people still go away with exactly the same thing yeah. you see. Is he working? Is he not working? This blood guy is really complex. He's vile, but I kind of get it. I kind of understand. That's the thing that people say. The most disturbing thing is people say I can really relate to that, and i really don't like
0: myself relating to some of that stuff. It's yeah. it's kind of like the anti-hero thing. It's like the film Falling Down when um oh hmm. it's Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. He just yeah. he just loses it, and then we're in the middle of the street, and it just goes off on and. It, Everybody you meet will go completely get him. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah, It's funny you He's... should say that
1: um say it's funny you should say about Joe, uh the character. I I didn't see I didn't I didn't see him as a violent person. I kind of like <clears throat> as I was reading it, he was kind of like, This is me, this is my life, kind of thing. Like I didn't really get like I'm a really angry, violent person from Joe, though. I mean obviously there was some scenes where yes, but I didn't i didn't take that i just as i said i thought he was a very self-aware person um
2: who, there's a who... lot about compassion and the, in the book and there's one of the big threads in it there's a lot about compassion and there's a lot about loyalty and love in the book and mm. um that's that that's what makes him complex and his violence although he admits he's a very very violent man he enjoys, he enjoys violence he kind of seeks it out it's very targeted, it's very, very targeted, yeah. which is why mm-hmm. you might think, oh, yeah. you know, it's not just the sort of bloke who go out and just lay into someone in the pub. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort of targeted, and, but there are other yeah. things. He's got a very moralistic stance on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. particularly politically, of where people like him are valued within society, and that's where his anger comes from, I think. Well, I think uh,
1: I think I think well one of my favorite parts or probably the favorite part of the book was um was with Spider-Man. Um, yeah. which which I thought was so funny. I, I, not I, obviously like I, I took it that the guy might have had like you know a mental yeah. issue or maybe down syndrome or something yes. like that. I, I kind of took it that was the that was the character but that bit where um the bit with the chairs where he wouldn't move I just thought that yeah. was so funny. <laughs> yeah
2: and he explains about how actually that they're, they're not you do understand he keeps saying you do understand it's not him we're laughing at we're, laugh, yeah, we're not exactly laughing yeah at him. and actually you're lucky that it's us who found him not someone else because we'll actually exactly. look after him we're using him to take the piss out of ourselves because they're all with each mm-hmm. other and yeah yeah that's um
1: and i think yeah. and, I, and i think that's what you're saying there about his aggression is targeted and, mm. and obviously his friends' aggressions are targeted because th- there's a guy here who's quite vulnerable. And, and even though I think it was Darren might have started winding him up to start with, he proper had Darren in the net three or four times yeah. and everyone just thought that's so funny.
2: And then he, he does make the point of saying, how dare you feel sorry for him or compare him to me because he's a far better man than I will ever be. So don't be hypocritical when you try to judge us all the same. We are different. He's clearly very different from me, but he's a better man than I'll ever be. And he says that but that's that's one of the whole things with that scene. It's like you know we're not we we're not for uh, six blokes taking the piss out of a Down syndrome kid. We're actually he we we're, we're using him to take the piss out of us and each other. And actually, he's lucky that it's us he's with, mm-hmm. and not some people who really would take the piss out of him. In fact you know, we'll make sure he gets where he needs to be. You know, because he said the fact, lucky him going out shopping with his auntie.
0: That's yeah. a clever piece of writing on your part then, because that could be um that that could have easily have been done wrong and not not come across that way, if you know what I mean. So the fact that you can read it and you can get you can get that that that's clever writing. Whereas if I tried to do that, it would be me taking the piss out of someone with Down syndrome.
2: Uh, well, it's, it's, very, it's very kind of you to say. Uh, <laughs> those things take a long time to write and get, you know. But if you've got an idea of what the message you, you try, what you're trying to say, what the messages you're trying to do with this scene, then, um, then yeah, it's just a matter of I just, of wanted, I
0: just, of to want, just to want to re- re- point out, so I, I wouldn't <laughs> take the piss out of someone with dancing St. John, but that's how it would come across. How <laughs> I many disclaimers
1: cool. are we having in this podcast? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie, do I feel that there's a sequel to Naughty Boy somewhere in the works,
2: or? Well, it's funny. You... Some people, people, a lot of people have said that they that they want they want more from that character or some of the other characters. Um, my next a prequel, thing I maybe. Want, I want to write now. I want to write something which is full of humour. It's the next thing i want to write, because as much as I love performing this, it's fantastic to do live. Fucking brilliant to do live.
0: I mean, you probably should, as a comedian, really do at least one thing, shouldn't you? That's got humour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, the next, the
2: next one, the next play I'm writing. I know what it's going to be about. I've just got to get me in gear and write it. There's going to be much more humorous, but again, it's really going to have. There's going to be moments of real political. Uh, it's about making a point. The next one, I'm, it's going to be about. It's, it's called the comedian. It's going to be about a comedian, but it's how we perceive you, not the other way around. Interesting. So, Very interesting. So, interesting. So, looking, ask, what do you think we think of you? And uh, so comments on that perception. So there'll be a lot of social comment in there, particularly now. I don't know. if You've been out gigging. It's uh, people are strange. It's the world Every,
1: Well, everyone's back in the back in the mix now. So Eddie, where can where can we find Naughty Boy? Where can we find it?
2: You can get the novella, either a Kindle download and you can get a free Kindle off Amazon or a paperback from Amazon. And live, uh, I'm, I'm taking it on tour wherever I can take it. And my next run of gigs are in at the Camden Fringe, 23rd to 27th of August at the Hope Theatre in Islington. I'm really looking forward to that. And then there'll just be other dates dotted around because getting a theatre run at the moment is quite tough because theatres are just all over the because Yeah. Of course, but, uh,
1: yeah, but it's something but its it's something to have, I think the good thing about uh creating something you've got it in the pocket, you know, what I mean it's not gonna you know there's no oh, yeah, time yeah. limit on on that, so you've yeah. got yeah you've got until forever uh Richie, before we wrap up, have you got any final words
0: um No, just follow us everywhere, Uh, on Facebook, on Twitter. You can follow us on anywhere. Most places you can find a podcast, but mainly go to Spotify because that's what everybody does, or Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, Adapted to Screen Podcast. So, yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: And, Eddie, where can we find your latest information?
2: Uh, my website, is all on there www.edibrimson.com. And I'm on fa- you know, Eddie Brimson Facebook, Eddie Brimson YouTube. And you see some clips from the play, um, if you want, they're up on YouTube as well. And I'm, a, I'm
1: a yeah, website. I've, seen a, I've seen a few of those, yeah, I've seen a few of those, they're pretty cool. Well, uh, I think that's everything. Then he's, have we covered everything? Have we missed anything out? That's the main I thing,
0: I don't think so. Um. we usually talk about the soundtrack of the film but there's not really anything to say about the soundtrack of the film because it was like an American horror film soundtrack
1: no so normally no no, sorry Eddie normally what we do uh, we pick like a soundtrack for the film so whether it's like a band or whatever but it's quite funny because you picked a soundtrack for Naughty Boy and that's what made me oh. laugh when I read it. I was like, he's picked the same track for his book. That's exactly what we do. Um, what was the same track you picked for uh, Naughty Boy? Uh,
2: it's a band called New Town Aces, which is um, uh, a punk band. And then they are, it's a new band, uh, a punk band, but okay. they're very political. But the, the the lyrics in that really do mirror the, the, the writing in the book and, and what's in the well, play.
1: Oh, uh, Rich, has got, uh, Rich has got a very successful uh, other podcast called uh, You Haven't Heard This Music podcast where he show, oh, plays get, and showcases music. new music. Yeah.
2: Well, Newtown is Rich. absolutely superb. Actually, if you like music which actually says something, this has got a political message to it. It's fantastic. Absolutely nice. brilliant.
1: <clears throat> Check that I, out. Oh, uh, I, I thought maybe uh, like a soundtrack from The Who might have fitted quite well with uh, yeah, yeah. ID. Um, yeah. you know, a, bit, a bit rocky, maybe a little bit more angry than the other rock that was knocking a bait, if you know what I mean. Um, I thought that would have suited quite yeah. well. What about you, Richie?
0: Uh, yeah, that type of thing. I, I think the Sex Pistols would have been too punk for that film, maybe. Mm, I think so, yeah. Um, But yeah, they're kind of not anger would not too. I don't know not the fucking soundtrack it had it sounded like something from um, Friday the 13th in parts
1: I thought you know something like The Who someone like The Ramones I thought would have done quite well yes Ramones
0: would call as a
1: soundtrack in there Well, Eddie, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Nice nice to see you again. It's been about five years, but uh, nice
0: to see you again.
2: And likewise, mate. Thank you very much for having me on.
0: And until until next time, nobody likes us. (laughs)
2: No one likes us. (laughs) We don't care. No one likes us. No one likes us. (laughs) We left early on the Friday to make the most of the weekend. Myself, Darren, Philbs, Keith, Ryan, Eddie and Iffy. Now there's a reason Iffy's called Iffy. obviously. A good few years back, Iffy headed out to Asia in order to find himself. Well, that's what he told his dear old mum anyway. It actually fucked off so certain other people couldn't find him, if you know what I mean. But mums being mums, well, they don't need to hear all that now, do they? Like a lot of men who headed out east, if he only made it far as Bangkok, mainly due to the vast amounts of horizontal refreshment that is so readily available in that part of the world, to young fuckwits such as himself. One night, whilst partaking in some oral stimulation, if he decided to sit up and go for a cheeky little stroke of the horse's nose, only to find that the particular filly he was with turned out to be quite a big part donkey, if you know what I mean. They both froze, their eyes locked, and not quite knowing what to do if he let go and began to lean back. However, the he-she positioned between his legs and with his cock still in situ decided to test the water by pushing a digit up if his bum. No, not most people, if he can't resist the bargain and having paid in advance, well, best blowjob he's ever had apparently. His mistake was coming back and telling Eddie because within an hour, we all knew. And from that moment on, Christopher J. Mills became known as Ify. Ify's also the supplier of Class A's. The pills and the powder that keep weekends such as that jogging along just the way they're meant to. But a group, Darren's the sensible one. Well, when I say sensible, apart from me, of course. And what I mean by that is Darren don't just fly off the handle. He's a thinker. Unlike Philbs. That said, Philbs flying off the handle is a beautiful sight. Believe me, I've seen it. Because Philbs, he ain't shy when it comes to punching people. In fact, none of us are. It's probably why we get on so well. Our collective liking for violence.